What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez and Joe Dells and John Tortorelli, and it's now episode 261. In this episode, we're going to give our NFL Combine standouts, talk about Derek Carr signing with the Saints, Seahawks keeping Geno, Lamar receiving the non-exclusive tag, Derek Henry trade destinations, and pose the biggest questions for every NFL team. I had a little bit of a brain fart there. There we go. Say, you forgot my name? Yeah, you said my name first. No, because I was like, because I was trying to, I, I thought my mic sounded a little bit too loud, so... You were as thinking was, and talking. Yeah, as I was talking, I was thinking, you guys don't, don't no, I'm not good at that. You, you can't multitask. No, definitely I not. I cannot. I'm the worst multitasker I've ever seen in my life. I can't multitask. Not your strong too. Yeah, let me say, bro, your hair is dumb long. It is very it long. It is long, yeah, I know. Probably the longest I've ever seen it. Yeah, I've been growing it out. Oh, really? What do you intend to do with it? I don't know. I'll probably get braids. Tough. I've already experienced a man bun already. Uh-huh. I was actually deciding on cutting it because it's getting a little bit too long to the point where it's, like, annoying me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably gonna keep it at like a good length, that is looks healthy. Not too long, not too short. Yeah, it is, it is healthy. Sometimes my head be itching sometimes, but I'm not gonna lie. Understandable. How many times a week you wash your hair, bro? Every other day, probably like All two right, three that's, times that's a week. That's pretty great. That's yeah. great. But for some reason, dandruff shampoo doesn't work on me. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my scalp is dry or something. Mm-hmm. But it does suck. Nice man. Like that. Yeah, Word. It does Wanted to check in, bro. Issue. Looks good. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Someone said get a How you got? I know, I know Dell's going to Boston tonight. Yes, sir. If you guys, anyone can be at the Boston game tomorrow, I'll be there with my girl, Boston Blazers. Um, crazy because I haven't watched the Celtics for the past week, so I'm just going in with a fresh mind. <laughs> I don't really know uh, what's been going on lately. I've just been busy. Haven't caught any of the games, so I'm excited to see them first time in person. Guy's shameless, bro's like, oh, man, I'm so happy for all this NFL news <laughs> so we don't have to talk about the Celtics on a three-game dumper. It's all right, bro. I don't even know what you're talking about. And, of course, today we have John. We've seen the, the comments. Skeggy. We're clamoring for John. No rib, unfortunately, today, but I'll be here momentarily. And, by the way, the Celtics are on a three-game losing streak. Oh, oh nice. wow. Nice. Probably just, you know, regular losses. Just Tatum. I saw Tatum missed a game, right? So I tell yeah. you what, They might be frogs. I think, you know, I think so. Um, you might be right. Bro, perfect timing watched. to not watch, honestly. I haven't watched. Perfect so. timing to just pretend like the Celtics don't exist. I know we've been, we're dealing with some injuries. So. Got it. I was yeah, like, yeah. you know what? I'll just, when we're healthy. To their credit, they're one of the best teams in the league when they're dealing with injuries. Uh-huh. Grant Williams should stop talking trash before. He's going to make both of them. I don't even know. He's going to make both Pulled a Ben Simmons last night. Lose to the Knicks. Lose to the Cavs. What's the Knicks do? No, bro. When I saw the clip of him in Donovan's face saying, I'm going to make both of them, and chokes not one, but both free throws. And and even the worst part is he missed that second free throw. Smart made an amazing play at the rim, and nine times out of ten, that goes in and just rims out. He tried it for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, John is here. And also, I see a lot of guys in the comments asking about John. And how you guys like him on the show, John hosts his own podcast. I do. Yes, sir. It's called the Wise Guys Podcast. Uh, I've been doing it for about seven or eight months. I have my own YouTube channel, but we're at Picasar right now. Nice. Respect. But go show, uh, go some, go show some love. John Tortorelli is his YouTube page. Special human being. The Wise Guys, him and his boys do a great job. So go give him, go give him One of your love. boys on the sure. podcast was tweeting at me because, one, he was not happy about my my opinions on the draft and the quarterbacks. And BC? He, yeah. Yes, Friend. yeah, BC. Facts. And then he also was 
he just liked one of my tweets about Daniel Jones, but then goes and proceeds to tweet about how this is one of the worst contracts he's ever seen. It's a Patriots fan. Uh, Massive. Got it. Got so he thought back. he was supporting at first? No, no, I knew he wasn't. I knew he wasn't. A little subtle jab. And a get go. I respect it. I respect people it. People think love, you love, they love you. Uh huh. Good conversation, of course. So now, Boom Fantasy Picks for today. You guys know we always give our Boom, fanny, boom been on Fantasy a Picks. stinker lately. I've been so bad. Every day of the week. You guys know we give our picks. So today's picks, I have them right in front of me. Let me just pull them out. Okay, so today's picks. I have Mikel Bridges over 25 and a half points. I like that. At the Houston Rockets. You know, Mikel's been averaging 26 since joining Brooklyn. And, you know, I put in a little three-game parlay. You know, I put Mikel. I put Nets money line. I put Mikel. I put Mikel two threes. I got some parlays cooking up. But I think Mikel on Boom Fantasy, 25 and a half, that's a good line. I take it. Now, Drew, what's yours? So in the last four or five games, Mark Williams has had a double-double. And right now, his over-under is at 20 and a half against, I believe, it's the Knicks, excuse me, yes, because the Knicks go for their 10th straight tonight, and of course, that'll be electric. But nevertheless, Mark Williams has been very good for the Hornets as of late. Definitely happy to see that, especially as a young guy. He, he struggled to get consistent minutes, but now that Plumlee's no longer on the team, Mark Williams has been consistently getting his, and he's been playing very well. So 20 and a half, as long as he hits that double-double like he, ha- he has had in the last four or five, then I'm expecting that to hit for sure. I've been slumping badly. Yeah, they're on three games. Three games. Yeah, yeah no, on, I've been you're terrible. You're on it too, right? Not yet, yeah. He's been stuffing the stash. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a slump too. Yeah. I guess, you know, I can't go over too wrong here because Riv's all the way at the bottom of the leaderboards, huh? Are yeah. you picking for Riv today? I might as well. So I'm going to go with Bobby Portis over 16 and a half points. Okay. No Smart. Drew Holiday. No Giannis Knight versus the Hornets, correct? Versus uh, the Magic. No, no. versus the Magic. Oh, it's the Magic, yes. right. Versus Orlando. And I'm also going to go over on Brooke Lopez rebounds. At seven, Chris Milton's on minutes restriction still now playing over 30 minutes. His line's at, what is it, plus, no, it's 17, 18 and a half yeah. points. I would go the under on that. I, I wouldn't want to touch him right now. Yeah, I agree. I have, I have similar ones to you. I have I have Bobby Portis on a, a two-game parlay. His points and rebounds, I got the overs mm-hmm. on those. Whenever he plays over 20 minutes, he averages like 18 and, and Bobby yeah. Portis is nice. Yeah. That's he has to I'm be gonna, a lead I, candidate you know, I definitely man. have him. Let's read some super How many chats. leading candidates are there for six-man of the year, John? Three. Is Emmanuel quickly one of them? Yeah, IQ, Brogdon, right. and who? And Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. You think that Bobby IQ just missed some he's time? He's like a third. He's Bobby missed what? Like two, three weeks? I believe so. Yeah. About maybe a little bit more. I'm gonna say IQ. Plays I think it was over a month. I was gonna say he. I remember him being out for a while. Had him in fantasy basketball in our through the wire league, and of course the six man show. Do you think that IQ is gonna win over Brogdon? His uh, he's the favorite now, isn't he? After he played 54 minutes and was absolutely all-world against the I'm pretty the sure it's like the same line. At least on FanDuel when I checked, it was Even? the same line, yeah. I don't know, bro. IQ has been phenomenal. Bro, started, put up 40, and then his sixth man of the year. Like, how the fuck does that work? Riv's pick is Rudy Gobert <laughs> over one and a half blocks versus 76ers right now. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you guys can go use code PAS on Boom Fantasy and play there. It helps the podcast a lot. Now let's read some super chats here because we're getting some donations. And then we're going to start the show off. You guys know that we're going to talk about Daniel Jones and all that good stuff. So first super chat, Dells, enjoy the Boston game with your hopeful future fiance. Appreciate it, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have a blast. I appreciate it. For a second, I was like, Chelsea must have sent that one. That is funny, though. Next super chat, Charles Gibson. Bryce Young-Waite is going to hurt him. He's 204. I mean, that's fine. 
I, more than okay. I was going to say, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised that he came in at 204. He probably won't play at 204, but the fact that he weighed in on it, as, as long Jesus, as long as you have a precedent, Kyler 207, Bryce 204, it makes teams feel a bit better. I agree. I mean, I think Bryce Young has showed on tape that he could play and that he's a good thrower, a great thrower of the football. No one ever said anything wrong about, or no one ever said anything negative when Arizona wanted to select Kyler number one. So why is there suddenly this big stink about people wanting Bryce Young to go number one? I, I don't understand. It's not like he wasn't an elite talent every single year that he's been at Alabama. So that's the only thing I struggle with. I think Kyler's in, a, in, a, in another tier, personally. I do think he's No, I don't disagree. But at the same time, we can understand what Bryce Young did with Alabama in the two years that he started. Yeah, that's true. What, and all, I just think what hurts Bryce is that this quarterback draft class, is a, you have C.J. Stroud, who's a polished quarterback. Understandable there. Then you have Anthony Richardson, who has the upside of all the elite guys in the league. You know, if Anthony Richardson pops, then he's better than Bryce Young. I'm sorry. If they both reach their ceiling, I think Anthony Richardson is better than I him. I understand what you mean. Sure. Where that draft, it was Kyler, Haskins, Drew Locke, and Jones. The quarterback <laughs> selections weren't. As great. Number one overall, though. There was yeah, no yeah. issue. They were coming off a scene where they had Josh Rosen. And uh-huh. Kyler just was... I, I feel like people have revisionist history when it comes to Kyler Murray and how great of a quarterback he is. Oh, I could not agree more with I you. I am not the biggest fan of Kyler. You guys know Facts. that. But Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate in, what, his second season with Cliff Kingsbury, a coach that we now know is not a great coach. Also a Heisman winner, so it was understandable. Heisman winner, yes. But not only that, this guy was a first-round pick in football and baseball. He was a ninth overall pick by the Oakland Athletics. Correct. Like, let, let's stop acting like this guy wasn't an elite-level athlete. For sure. And he's something different. Oh, I'm with you. His arm talent is better than Bryce Young's. His athleticism is better than Bryce Young's. That's definite. And, and that's that's the elite trait that Kyler had where Bryce Young, like, he has a lot of great traits about him. But in college, it looks, it pops off the screen, elite ability. But in the NFL, guys that look like they have elite ability come and their arm strength is, is good. It's mm-hmm. not exceptional or great. When you're compared with guys like Josh Allen and stuff, you know, your arm strength does not look as great. And those are the elite level guys. And that's where I think Bry- – I don't even think it's going to hurt Bryce Young. I think he's still going to be a top five pick. Oh, definitely. For sure. At the minimum, he should be top three, I believe. This from Santos Lopez Loyola. Super sticker. Shout out to Santos. Legend. Santos fucking goat. And Orlando Martinez. Oh, another fucking goat. Shout out Kenny Pickett. Shout out KP. Yes. The better quarterback got paid And today. join us in Bloom Fantasy. <laughs> Link is in the description down below. Now, to start the show, the first topic we have going is combine standouts. We know everybody wants to talk about Daniel Jones and these contracts that happened. We're going <laughs> to talk about them the very next se- segment, trust me. But first, NFL combine standouts happened over the weekend. Who stood out to you the most? I'm going to start with you, Drew. So, obviously... Anthony Richardson was absolutely phenomenal. One of the most amazing athletic performances we've ever seen. Him running that 4-4-4-40, him breaking the record for vertical at the quarterback position. And, of course, the thing that I was most interested to see was, how is he going to throw the football? I watched the entire tape. There was two throws that were not great. That means every other throw that he had, I believe, were either great or perfect. One was to the sideline, kind of floated a little bit too high. And then one of them was on the deep ball of his four. There was one deep ball that he kind of just floated a little bit too long in the air. Other than that, it was a flawless, flawless showing from Anthony Richardson. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see that, of course, people are definitely enhancing his, drafts, his draft capital. But I tweeted a little bit earlier that I still have him as my quarterback three. I understand. What you said was spot on. 
His ceiling is the highest of the three. I just believe that after the tape and after the year that he had with with the Gators, I just can't, off one showing on the combine, move him above Bryce and Stroud, who I've just been, mostly Bryce, that I've been consistent on that I believe is my QB1. But Stroud is probably the most NFL-ready, in my opinion. I... I just saw what Stroud did passing the football at the Combine and this year with Ohio State, and that also allowed me to feel more confident in Stroud. He also put on a great performance throwing the football, the deep ball that he had. The first one, it looked like he was nervous to let to for some reason to let go, but the rest of his deep balls were, were, were spot on, dropped right in the breadbasket, and the receivers could have helped him out a little bit, make it, a little, make it look a little bit prettier by catching him. They weren't hanging on. Of course, JSN. Now, the receivers, unfortunately, were underwhelming. Um, but JSN, watching his release, it just allowed me to reemphasize my belief that JSN is my wide receiver one. Yes, he may not be the fastest wide receiver, but that does not matter when you are an elite route runner. I remember watching the tape last season, and I'm watching, I'm watching Olave, and I'm watching Garrett Wilson, and number 11 standing out to me, JSN. He was phenomenal last year with those guys, and yes, it's unfortunate that he has hurt majority of the season. He wasn't able to really showcase the talent that we saw last season, but people are forgetting how great JSN truly was last year. So I'm expecting him to to continue and be great. Nolan Smith, seeing Nolan Smith take himself from probably an early second rounder to probably, in my opinion, solidifying himself as as a first-round selection, that was excellent to see. He ran at 40 faster than a majority of the wide receivers. That was really great. Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, these are probably number one and number two running backs. Bijan was excellent. That was to be expected. But, of course, seeing Gibbs run faster than Bijan, that also was to be expected, but it was great to see Gibbs really dominate in one of those aspects at the running back, so at the running back position. And lastly, low-key name, Chase Brown, who probably won't be at that high of a selection either, but I want to give him his credit because undersized guy, 5'9 and a quarter, I believe, Bench pressed 25 reps of 225 and had the highest vertical of all the running backs. So that was just something I wanted to give credit to, of course, because I understand that you have these low-key guys and they work hard. So to see him put that that work forward was amazing. Got to rename the combine, the Anthony Richardson show. Most oh, athletic quarterback of all time. 10 RAS scorer. What he did was ridiculous. And I don't like people who didn't have Richardson or moved Richardson up because of the combine. If you saw him play, you knew he was crazy athletic. Great. It doesn't I was still surprised with how athletic he truly was. Um, but the combine is just kind of difficult because it could always improve your stock to an extent, but more likely than not, it will kill your stock, right? That's typically what happens. Um, the combine is not something that it seems like over the years has become less valued by GMs and, and front offices. I know there's a lot of guys and coaches and, and front office guys that don't even attend it anymore. Um, obviously, I'm still, I'm sure they still watch it on TV and whatnot, but it's interesting to see how it's changed over the years. Some of the other quarterbacks, I thought they all had a really good day. At least the top guy, C.J. Stroud, throwing the ball was extremely fluid. Absolutely. He has maybe the quickest throwing motion I have seen as a quarterback coming out of the class. No I mean, him compared to Justin Fields is night and day. Fields really drops that elbow and goes all the way down. C.J. Stroud, his elbow basically stays at his head the whole time. Extremely fluid, extremely quick. I think he has the highest floor in this class. Um, his upside still to be determined really depends on what C.J. Stroud we get. Is it going to be the Georgia one that we saw in the playoffs where he was an athletic freak or mostly for the you know 
previous two seasons where he didn't use his leg too much. Um, Bryce Young, I thought obviously wasn't there or didn't perform, but 5'10", 200 pounds, I thought that was a win for him. I agree. I thought there was a strong chance he was coming at 5'9". Bama listing him at six foot was always ridiculous. Um, 200 pounds, being over that 200-pound mark, I think is important. As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, having that precedent, you can compare him to Kyler Murray. I do think athletically they're completely different. Kyler's a special athlete. I think he's a better arm talent as well. But Bryce Young, his intangibles are off the charts, um, and that's something he definitely has over Kyler Murray. Um, and then lastly, Stetson Bennett. He was another guy I was looking out for. QB5 is really up in the air. I know you like um, Hendon Hooker a lot. Stetson Bennett, I too. I think Bennett is just going to be a high-level backup type of guy. Probably be a day-three pick, um, someone you'll develop. And if someone goes down for a couple games, he could step in and win you some some football games. But I thought in terms of a deep ball thrower, he was one of the best we saw. Um, the other position that really stood out with me were the tight ends. I know we talked uh, last week how how deep this tight end class is. They're deep and they're crazy athletic. Guys like Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta. They these guys are six four to six six, two sixty, and they're running like four fives. Will Mallory. So you have you know historically you have to be athletic to be a good tight end. Definitely. And. All of these guys, I mean, we're going to see five guys drafted in the first two or three rounds at tight end. It's really needed, right? Tight end has been one of the positions that have been dying over the years. We have the elite guys still with Kelsey, of course. Um, but though that middling tier has kind of died out. So I, I never take too much away from the combine. Um, you know, it, it really either hurts or help whatever agenda you're going to push. If there's someone you love, you're going to push something they did well. Someone you hate, you're going to push something they didn't do well. But overall, I thought the quarterbacks were all really impressive and the tight ends were more athletic than I was expecting. I want to shout out Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. As a Steeler fan, I've been spying up these cornerbacks, seeing it's going to be Joey Porter. Which one of these guys is going to be available for Pittsburgh right around 20? Gonzalez, 4-3-40, had himself an absolute phenomenal oh, day. Unbelievable. He's not going to be there for the Steelers, unfortunately. And for mm. all of these cornerback needy teams, whether it's a New England, a Pittsburgh, all of them in the top 12, man, it's going to be one of those drafts where quarterback a little more up in the air, but the depth, like you mentioned, at tight end, cornerback, defensive line as well, Nolan out of Georgia. I mean, this is one of the best draft classes I think we see in terms of the depth across the board at different possessions. Okay. Wide receiver is a rough day, clearly, but JSN, Jordan Addison, those guys are great football players. You know, I'm not overly fixated on what 40 they're running because we've seen them produce at college, especially with Addison. I'm a little bit higher on him than most people. I Me, mean, it's kind of partial pit fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also Anthony Richardson. I like to compare Richardson a lot to Cam Newton, right? Similar build, insane tools, and Cam also lit up the combine. Anthony Richardson, right around the same size, both 6'4", 244, 248. Richardson's 41-inch vertical is 6 inches more than Newton, and he also ran a 4'4". Newton ran a 4'5", 6". I was going to say, facts. So that is absolutely insane, like you said. I mean, Anthony Richardson. It's a big body, and he can move. If he can just, like, knock these team interviews out the park, which it's... Sorry to cut you off, but that's what it sounds like. Apparently, he's been the best interviewer at the Combine. For as much as people laugh then say, oh, okay, here we go. Like that matters a lot for Definitely. teams to see what you know, what you don't know, if they can work with you, their coaches, their GMs. I do. Yeah, a little static. If he can just knock that at the park, it's not crazy to say he's the second overall pick in this draft. Or the third overall pick, depending on who trades up and what happens. Uh, obviously, the Texans at number two. So we'll see what happens. And before you go, Joel, the combine matters. We saw John Ross go from not even being talked about in the first round to being selected in, what, the top 10? Yep. Because he ran the fastest 40 time of all time. Of course, you can't teach speed. That's God-given. That's one of the most impressive performances we've seen, of course. But the combine matters. And if you absolutely go crazy in the combine, people start to chat, and, and other teams are, are going to try and be quiet and sneaky of trying to select these guys. 
but you can't be sneaky when it comes to potentially drafting your franchise quarterback. And if people are super high on Anthony Richardson because of the ceiling, which is understandable, I believe that of this of the 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 four quarterbacks that will be selected in the first round, the highest ceiling has to be Anthony Richardson because of his physical tools. But this combine definitely allowed Richardson to solidify himself as a top ten pick. There was a lot of talk. You could just real quick. Um, people thought the forty were s- slower than, or excuse me, they were clocking the forty slower than people were actually running it. I saw all over Twitter people would have like the they would basically freeze frame it when the guy crosses the finish line. It would be at four three six, and then on TV it showed four five two. For right, sure. Obviously, the four five two is not official, but it comes down as like you know four or four nine or whatever. But I saw a ton of that on Twitter that the the combine times this year were off. It looked like that when I was watching the film that I kind of saw them. I'm sorry, Johnny. I saw them finish around that like you said that four three four four, and then suddenly it's at four five three four yeah. five two. I didn't understand why that was, but I'm glad that I my my brain did not fail me there. In terms of combine standouts, I think the biggest one is Anthony Richardson. Get out. And he's somebody that over the past, I think, month or so I've been talking about to invest in Mojo because he's up, I think, 50% in the last month alone. And the combine, he went up $3. He went up from $21 to $24. And he's somebody that's going up right now. And later on in the show, we'll give you guys our investment of the week on Mojo, which is a player that I've been high for a long time. And he's finally getting his chance to shine this season. Yes, it, I'm very excited for my man. So, listen, C.J. Stroud, I think, was the best quarterback at the combine. I think Anthony Richardson was somebody that flew up the boards because of his athleticism. C.J. Stroud was the best passer by far. 100%. Every throw was on the money. It was accurate. All his outs that were on the wide receiver's right shoulder. Sure. He put it perfectly. That's something that I thought Will Levis struggled in. Will Levis was very inaccurate and spotty. C.J. Stroud just put on an, an absolute clinic. Definitely. And I think that... Right now, my, my quarterback rankings, number one, I think is C.J. Stroud. You know, I, I think that he's the best pocket passer in terms of just his mechanics from his lower body to his upper body. I think he has an equal floor to Bryce Young, and I think he has a better ceiling. And, I, and he's not the athlete Anthony Richardson is, but C.J. Stroud is athletic. And I think Definitely. that he can create plays out of structure if he plays more freely and loosely. Uh, number two, I would go Anthony Richardson just for the upside I like quarterbacks with upside, and, and I think that if you believe in your coaching staff to develop somebody, then you go with that upside pick. And number three is Bryce Young, and after that, I, I don't even know if I like Will Levis you know, more than I, I like someone like Hendon Hooker. There it is. I, I love Hen- Hendon Hooker in this draft, I do. I, I really love Hendon Hooker, but CJ shots me was the best quarterback. Running backs, you mentioned the Jameer Gibbs and Bijan. Bijan put on an absolute show. I think he's not going to slip past the first round. Oh, definitely. He, he's going to be a top 15 pick in this draft. I think he's going to go higher than people expect. I wondered because when we were putting the tops list together, I wasn't sure if I, would, if I should ask that question, but I'm glad you say that because I definitely feel that there are teams in that top 15 that are going to at least consider the idea of Bijan because of not only the, the boost that he gives you rushing the football because of how great of a, a pass catcher he also is. He made some crazy plays at Texas. And he had, what, a 37-inch vertical also? Like, yeah. hey, this guy's just a freak athlete. I mean, having a running back that's that elite for Changed on a rookie contract is, it, yeah, and I look at the top 15 picks, really, and let, let's look at, for example, I think a realistic, like, it starts to get realistic at 10 for him to get drafted. Philly. Philadelphia. Or do they go JSN in a slot if he's there or Bijan? 
you know, I like Jay Ascendant in Philadelphia a lot. I, I do. Smitty, though, they kind of already have a skinny. I mean, I, he could play. I, Smitty could play on the outside. Don't get me wrong. But. I desperately want the Eagles to take Bijan. Dude, it would be because Ezekiel that off, that offense just becomes flawless. Yes. Because if you're, you're going right. to invest into a running back in the top 12, you may as well have that elite offensive line. And also, you have the committee. If you give a guy like Najee Harris 25, 30 touches, he's going to wear it by his fourth season. Yeah. With Bijan, you give him 20 carries at max. Will have longer durability long term, that investment will be worth a lot. We more. saw Miles Sanders be overly successful mm-hmm. at the running back position for the Eagles. Bijan mm-hmm. is going to come in, and I'm very confident already. He will be better than Miles Sanders immediately. And what that provides to AJ Brown and, and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, and also Jalen Hurts as a rusher himself, the offense becomes unguardable. <sighs> yeah, I think Philadelphia, ever. they don't have much holes, and that's why Bijan is a perfect spot there. Look at Tennessee. Is it unrealistic for them to say, you know what, we're shopping Derrick Henry? It's another team. We're going to get picks, and we're just going to select Bijan. It's another team. That'd be funny. Uh, they I need too at, much, though. The Houston Texans at 12 is interesting. And what if they go the potential route? They, they go, shouldn't. They have Damian. I like yeah. Damian a lot. What if they go Anthony Richardson and, and Bijan? And oh, God. Yeah, go offensive get it going. Line. Be a Texans fan. The New York Jets at 13 is not realistic. No. New England, they love the running backs. They do, but, but they have Ramondre for another two seasons. Yeah. I think that's a JSN spot. I, I think he's very For similar sure. to someone like Julian Edelman, and he could definitely go to New England. What's to the rumors of Mac Jones being traded? You're not buying into that? No. Nah, Understandable. Green Bay, I, I don't think no they do it. Washington, I don't they think have Brian so. Robinson. Pittsburgh, they, they have Najee. Yeah, Najee. Detroit's an option. It depends. I don't uh, think they, they're on DeAndre's. Say, they're apparently out on him, which yeah. is insane to me. And Jamal's a free agent, right? It's because he gets hurt. I get where well, you're coming from. he has no vision. That's the other thing. Mm. Okay. Have Yo, John, well said. He has. I feel like people overrate that. I feel like he has. But he has yeah. times it's, where he. It's not great, Joel. It's not great. Yeah. It's not. It could be better, but he can make guys miss. I think he's good in space. Super fast. He's a great pass catcher. Yeah, it's just hard. I don't know. Then I look at these other teams: Tampa Bay, Seattle, no, Chargers, no. Baltimore, Minnesota. I don't think that makes sense, honestly. And, and if I was a coach, I know Bijan is a top five talent in his draft, but just draft the running back later. Yeah. I just so you're out on it. No. On a first round so pick, So you think yes. he will be, but you don't want him to be. No. I'm fine if he is. I think that it's I'll just say that I'm the not... situations don't sound likely. Got it. Like a lot of the top 15, the teams in the top 15, it doesn't seem like they're looking at a running back to spend that high of capital on. Um, and it's I, probably unlikely someone trades up for a running back yeah. too in the first round. Oh, absolutely. Wide receivers, to me, JSN was a standout. I know that he's not fast, but... He had a six five seven three cone, three nine three short shuttle. His agility is elite. So I think in the NFL he'll make his money in the slot. That's why I compared him with Julian Edelman. He has that type of agility and quickness. He's not a burner, but he's going to beat you inside, and he's going to be a great receiver. Mm-hmm. This draft class, when we talk about receivers, I don't think there's a bunch of ones and athletic freaks. We had Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle in 2021 who were freaks, then Devontae yeah. Smith. You look back at 2019 with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. You know those guys are physical freaks. Mm-hmm. I think in this draft we don't have that, but I, I see a lot of wide receiver twos that can be great in the NFL. I, I think Jason could be a one, but I look at Zay Flowers. He has tremendous upside. Zay Flowers can can really burn the defense, and he's a great route runner. He has tremendous hands. His tape is exceptional. I look at somebody like Jordan Addison. Well, he's he's good. I like Jordan Addison. Slower than what you would like. Josh Downs is somebody I'm high on as well. I like Josh Downs a lot. 
Jalen High hat from Tennessee. He's a burner. He put on a great performance at the combine, yeah. also. But he, the, the problem Dude. with him is his route tree is that he doesn't win in any other way outside of a stack and go. So for me, it's can he win in different ways in the NFL? And Quentin Johnson is somebody that when he has a free release, he's exceptional. But when he when he gets pressed up, he doesn't win often. So that's something that I have a raised eyebrow about. And Marvin Mims, I like. I think Marvin Mims is somebody that's going to be in the third, fourth round who's an absolute burner. And he could really add some explosiveness to an offense. But the tight end standout, we were talking about tight ends. Dalton Kincaid, unfortunately, did not participate in the combine. With Kincaid, he has exceptional athleticism, but he's undersized for a tight end. He's not a good blocker. So it's tough where he'll fit in the offense. Darnell Washington was the combine standout at tight end. 6'7", 264 pounds, largest wingspan of any tight end in combine history. 408 short shuttle, third best of any player in the combine. This guy's an athletic freak. In Georgia, he drops and passes. And the problem with him is that he's an athletic freak, but on the tape, he doesn't play like it. He doesn't play like he's 6'7", a freak of nature, has all this speed. He doesn't play like that at all. I, I'm still very high on Michael My- May- My- Mayers. Mayor. Being, yep. It's Meyer or Mayers? Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. I'm really high on Michael Mayer being the tight end number one. I, I don't think he is exceptional athletically. But he was still like everyone was just so athletic that he kind of went under the radar. But for what his size is, I thought he was a, an above average athlete and clears kind of the benchmark you're looking for. Yeah, like I, I think in this draft, we're going to have two, maybe three tight ends going to first round. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Mayer is a first round tight end. I think Darnell Washington, based on this combat performance, could slip into the first round. And, and I think Dalton Kincaid, you know, Jeremiah had a mock to the Packers in like the 20s. Yeah. And that is a shock to me because. Mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid, I don't. To me, he doesn't feel like a first round pick. He feels like somebody in the second, late second round. But this this tight end class is really good. And Washington's going to come in at the minimum, be an elite blocker. Yeah. They were showing him on the the sled, bro. He he like pushed the well, sled six, like, seven, like two, seven, seven yards. Everyone he's else was doing like one or two. He was he's at, like the the passing definitely needs some work. Didn't get a ton of opportunity in college, um, but the athleticism there, the size is there, but. At the minimum, he's going to come in and be a great blocker. It's basically having like another offensive lineman out there catch passes. But for me, my draft crush, you mentioned Christian Gonzalez. He's going to be a top 10 pick locked. Kalaja Kansi out of Pittsburgh. He's drawing Aaron Donald comparisons because they both went to Pitt and they're both undersized interior defensive linemen. Kalaja Kansi is 280 pounds and ran a 4.6740 time. Yeah. Kalaja Kansi, <laughs> I was watching Hendon Hooker on film to see how I like him. Mm-hmm. It was against Pitt. Elijah Kansi took over the game. I mean, he every play, he was in the backfield. Double teams didn't matter. He's somebody that I think is going to be very good at the next level, and I think will be a first-round pick. He is amazing. He's amazing, Kalaja Kansi. So my, my they combine. They with the Aaron Donald comps, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he could be elite at the next level. They're saying Aaron that the Donald's Eagles. probably the best defensive player we'll ever see. I mean, I know, but athletic profiles are similar. I said that we'll ever see. Yeah. All right. If I you wanted to say it. he was the best ever, too, I'm not fighting, I'm not fighting it either. I think the combine standouts for sure. C.J. Stroud, I have. Definitely. I didn't mention him at running back, but Devon A. Shane. A. Okay. 4-3. Yep. He, he ran 4-3. Yeah, no he doubt. was amazing. I think JSN, Darnell Washington, and then Kalaja Kansi. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles at 10 take Kalaja Kansi. Knowing that um, Javon Hargrave is going to be a free agent, mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox is now older, they need – Somebody in the interior, and I think that could be a spot for number 10. If Gonzalez is there, do you think that they take the corner instead just for the fact that Bradbury and his contract situation right now is not the best? It depends. I I think Gonzalez will go before then, though. Okay, Uh, I just say that because I know they're 10 flat. 
Yeah, so, I um, think that they would definitely look into Christian Gonzalez. He's an elite level prospect. If he falls there, I'd take him in a hard yeah, There's a couple decent cornerbacks as well. So yeah, Christian Gonzalez. Well, Gonzalez had the best showing at the combine. Yeah, Christian Gonzalez has a nine point nine nine RAS score. And he's yeah. he did his thing. Yeah, he's like top one percent athlete. I thought uh, Zach Charbonnet had a really nice day too, running back from UCLA. That third running back is kind of up for grabs. We have Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. Um, but RB3, A-Chain is someone that I know a lot of people like. Zach Charbonnet, when I was watching him on tape, he didn't look exceptionally fast, but he's six foot two fourteen and ran a four five three. That's plenty fast for me. So I thought he definitely uh, you know, upgraded his stock this season uh, this combine. So on Twitter, RJ Fisher tweeted us and he I was talking about Jordan Love. He tweeted under my tweet and said, let's go, baby. I got 32 shares at $6 and $7, Jordan Damn. Love, and he's up $223 Ooh. on Came Mojo. Up. Came Calm. crazy. Yes. So 32 shares, how much is that? Times six, it's around probably like 180. I was going to say, hey, yeah. good, sh- good shit right there. Oh, th- I got it? Around yeah, that, yeah. That's 190. Yeah. Yeah. Around, yeah, around there. And he's up $223. That's one example of people making money off of Mojo. And that now heads into our investment of the week. I think we can all agree. Our investment of the week is none other than Jordan Love. Gotta be. It's, it's simple. It's, it's Jordan Love. <laughs> and not only right now, you sleeping. can get him on Mojo for huh? $11. You heard me. I'm sleeping. You sleeping. have been sleeping. On Jordan Love? For a year. Oh, my God. For don't three do years. this. Don't do this. For three years. Well, it depends, it depends what, how you define you sleeping. You called us crazy for taking more to a year ago. No, that is crazy. No, it won't look crazy. A year ago, yeah. I still would take two because I don't know what Jordan Love is. You will soon. Now this. Don't Big do Jordan this. Love guy? I will say that's Don't not that's not the example I would have used though, John. Yeah, no, that is not yeah. the example but I would have used. But Drew did call him dog shit. Oh no, it was during the no. season. He you, was playing like dog shit. During for the sure. season, yes. it was us three. Oh, I wasn't here for that. And he, he was never playing like dog shit. You guys took him camp, over to a. Terrible. No, this was in the preseason when he had that game versus the Niners, the Seahawks, couple of interceptions. Two plays. I guess it was the 100K episode, right? Yeah. I thought it was during the season. Never mind. I mean, I remember before he made his debut against the Chiefs, you were like, he's he was stinky. dog shit. He was stinky against the Chiefs. The Chiefs were elite. That was the that week was the they game. suddenly decided that to be the first game. After, after that the game, no, yeah. because Chris Jones moved from DE to DT. Uh, That's what happened. Got it, got it, got it, bro. I mean, Chris, made adjustments. Good I mean, for them. Chris, Chris Jones, when he played at defensive tackle, they, they were an elite defense again. Yeah, listen, Jordan Love looked like a completely different quarterback this year. Very limited sample size, but he looked ten throws, right? I know, very, very small. He was solid. Listen, size. I got but over a rack. Couldn't have asked for anything more from what he did in that you know garbage time cleanup. Well, listen up, buddy. Jordan Love. Don't look at me when you say that. Mojo you can't pretend like I'm not invested. No, you are. I, right. I know you're invested, but we're not gonna forget your past history and the slander. Oh, he did. No way. Jordan Love. He's at eleven dollars right now on Mojo. A month ago, I think he was at what seven, eight dollars. And told you. he's in the past month, I think he's went up already 100%. But Jordan Love at $11, to, to, for reference, starting quarterbacks are typically $20 to $25 a mojo. Starting quarterbacks that aren't proven. So once Aaron Rodgers gets traded from Green Bay, and it's likely that that might happen, Jordan Love's price is going to skyrocket because he's going to be projected as a starter. And then if he plays well and is better than an average quarterback, he can go up to $30. So from $11 to $30, you're doubling your money. It's an easy flip, in my opinion. That's why I've, I've been invested into Jordan Love for a while now. And with how great Christian Watson looked toward the second half of the season, that Back. little spurt we saw with them against the Eagles, 
If the Packers trade Rodgers, they're getting something similar to that Russell Wilson package, multiple first-round picks to invest into the offensive line, the tackle positions. You upgrade there. You protect him with Aaron Jones. That offense can be really good in one or two years, and his ceiling is really high. And that's why he was taking the first round. How rounds. high, John? You know, here's my issue. You guys were saying he was shit as if he wasn't sitting behind <laughs> the back-to-back. I don't, I don't think MVP. anyone ever said he was shit. I just yeah, think you did. People... No, I know for a fact. I said that he, the tape that we saw, he, he looked that. like dog shit. I said that for a fact. I always just thought you guys always hyped him up, and I'm like, he's been a backup. Can we Y'all said he was better it? than no, 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 no. not you, seeing anything. You, that, no, was, that was insane. Th- this, this is the funny thing about Dells here, is that Dells would say he's a backup for a reason. And I'll be like, yeah, because he's under. He's a backup yes, she did. I'll be honest. Yes, she did. I mean, but he also was behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for I know. sure. But that's why I, I try to tell into into J- Dell's brain. No, I just this is not processing. I just didn't like having blindless hope into some guy you never saw play. I did see him play in college. Yes, and I think that under learning under Aaron Rodgers and a great coach in Matt Lafleur should help. Is uh, going to help him develop. Coaches. I was going to say, is, is Lafleur a great coach? I think he's a great coach. I think Why I think he's he a good offensive coach? coach. I think so. Number one way to develop is by getting reps. That's something he has not had yeah, really at all. So I he agree. gets that opportunity this year. You learn by growing. He was not a ready-made quarterback coming out of Utah State. It's going to take him. Are we? How serious? Hey, it wasn't me. That was uh, ESPN. My apologies. He wasn't a, a day oh. one quarterback. Try to throw dirt on my name. That's insane. So you give him two or three years, and he's going to shine. Listen, I'm always. I mean, I'm the Jordan Love guy. I know he's gonna. I know what he's gonna be, and it's gonna be shocking everybody else, not me. We know, and this ain't a two situation where he's mid. That's a real J. He, it's J. Love we talking about. Mm, it's Mr. Jordan J. Love. Love we talking. Got I think that they decide on his on uh, fifth year option this season. On Tua. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they'll pick it up. I'm, I'm assuming. Dolphins said we don't need Lamar. We got our franchise guy. Yeah, pretty wild. And they don't have any first round picks to you know it's trade. Also true. So now, Jackson goes, are you guys going to do your top five each, each position like last year? Guess we will. We'll probably get into those episodes starting next week. Now, let's go on to the, what just happened in the NFL. The Giants paid Daniel Jones and put the non-exclusive tag on Saquon Barkley. Sir. And we'll get into what that means in a minute. Now, Daniel Jones has signed a four-year extension worth $160 million with $35 million in incentives. $82 million guaranteed which means it's a two-year guaranteed deal. The last two years are not guaranteed. And they gave Saquon the non-exclusive tag, $10 million in 2023 if he remains with the Giants. And Daniel Jones' cap hit in 2023 is going to be $18.5 million. So with this move, the Giants go from $44 million in cap space to a projected possible $16 million to $24 million cap space. So it gives them some flexibility to make moves. And they have 11 picks in this upcoming draft. Daniel Jones gets his $40 million guaranteed. Drew, what do you think about Daniel Jones getting his money? So, I was very adamant this entire season. I need Daniel Jones to get a contract extension from 30 to $35 million. I never, ever, ever touched that four number. I didn't want to do it because I understood that that is for selective territory. However... Now we live in a reality where the potential is there for Daniel Jones to make $40 million continuously for four years. Why this deal is not as bad as people are trying to make it out to be is because, essentially, this is a glorified franchise tag. Joel said that best, and he's 100% correct on that. 
The franchise tag this year for Daniel Jones would have been around $31 million, I believe. But now, instead of that, they're instilling a vote of confidence in Daniel Jones. Say, hey, we're giving you two years now. We're giving you the money that you wanted. Show it to us. This also allows them a little bit more cap flexibility, like you mentioned already. With Daniel Jones' cap hit, it'll probably be around, you said, around $18, $19 million, which that includes Saquon's franchise tag already which means that now they'll be able to be a little bit more active this offseason because there are rumors, potentials that receivers can be moved. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, that's one of those names. More so, I want to speak to the potential of what could happen on a draft day because last year, A.J. Brown wasn't supposed to be moved. There was no rumors of A.J. Brown being moved. There was no rumors of Hollywood Brown being moved. Suddenly on draft day, two A.J. Brown, the bigger of the two, absolutely, but two big names at the wide receiver position were moved for first-round picks. Now, I don't see that being the case with the Giants per se. However, would it be insane to see them try and go out and get a DJ Moore potentially? Who knows that the Panthers are in the business of selling, but we don't know that whole situation. Chris Godwin on a, on a team that right now, what's their direction in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We really don't know. They just paid a receiver and Chris Godwin, but don't really have the quarterback uh, that you can really trust and not Kyle Trask. That's a joke. Is he one of those names that could potentially be moved? Mike Evans potentially understand that he's getting older. Is he not going to be? Is that not money that the Bucks want to allocate towards an older receiver? Although he's been the model of consistency, because you understand you need other assets elsewhere. So it's not insane to understand that the Giants needed to lock this down because what other options did they have to stay where they are in the draft, hope for the best, and not have that quarterback, not not pay Daniel Jones, and restart this process. When we did the show a couple weeks ago, I said the exact same thing. It would take the same amount of time for you to build a championship roster or try and build a championship roster with or without Daniel Jones. So why not just bank on having the quarterback already? Understand that this guy was good enough to at least take us to the playoffs with a roster that was horrendous, one of the most overachieving teams that we've seen in a long-ass time, and win a playoff game. And yes, I'll use context because I'm, I'm not one that likes to shy away from the truth. That Vikings defense was atrocious. But nevertheless, what did I say? No, I just said Mike White. Oh, no, what about him? He, he, he uh, beat up on the Vikings. Oh, no, no doubt about that. He definitely did. Games. But at the minimum, Daniel Jones, in the biggest moment of his career, outside, of course, the Eagles where they absolutely got dominated. Eagles were a simply better team on both sides of the ball. But against the Vikings where... Kirk Cousins is answering every punch that Daniel Jones is throwing at him. But that didn't stop Daniel Jones. He continued to, to, to overcome. He continued to get the ball down the field. Also, of course, Saquon Barkley now being tagged. You needed to bring Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley back if you were the New York Giants because these were the two main reasons, the two only reasons offensively, player-wise, why you were able to have success. Let me not disrespect my boy Andrew Thomas, of course, one of the best left tackles in the game, but I'm talking position players, skill position players, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the most essential pieces to the Giants having success, not named Brian Dable, of course. But now your focus needs to be getting Daniel Jones a receiver. You cannot continue running out the same old wide receivers when they're the slowest group of wide receivers in the National Football League, when they run an average of a 4-7. You need to go out and be active. You need to put Daniel Jones in a position to be evaluated properly because I hate this. He only threw five, 15 touchdowns this season. He only made seven big throws, according to PFF. Get him a true wide receiver, and we can really evaluate. And, of course, people like to mention the 15 touchdowns, passing touchdowns. 
but refused to mention he had over 700 rushing this season. They refused to mention that he would get into the end zone continuously as a quarterback. Daniel Jones is a fringe elite rusher at the quarterback position. And I say fringe because we had this conversation earlier. You have Justin Fields, you have Lamar Jackson. Those are the cream of the crop at the running back. Let me, excuse me, at the rushing aspect of being a quarterback, no doubt. Then you have Jalen Hurts. Then you have Josh Allen. Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray. Those are the group, the next four in that group. You need to include Daniel Jones when you talk about rushing quarterbacks. He's deserved that. And it's it's funny to me how a lot of these upper echelon quarterbacks get that credit and that nod of, of the rushing aspect to their game, but suddenly we don't like to mention Daniel Jones' rushing abilities when talking about Daniel Jones. All we like to do is mention that this guy is getting paid. This He wants to get paid or did get paid this stupid number of money. Meanwhile, he only had 15 passing touchdowns. But how about, again, use context. Shout out to my boy, Joel Moran, and understand that he's throwing to, to no one. He made Isaiah Hodgins someone that we can sit here and talk about because they were that desperate at the wide receiver position. A guy that was a free agent, was cut by the Bills, was picked up by the Giants, and Daniel Jones was able to have success with him. Bring him a true option so we can really evaluate. This is essentially a two-year deal. The Giants said, listen, we trust you. This is our boat of confidence. Now get it done. But the Giants still have work to do because they need to put him in a better position to really have fans give him a fair assessment. Listen, I'd, I'd, um, I want to hear John. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, John, I'll let you talk quickly. It's just, you know, Drew name dropped me, so I should respond. Context. Right? No, I said context. John Moran, that's you. Even if you add in, even if you add in the rushing, it's twenty two total touchdowns and thirty nine hundred total field. Okay, twenty two total touchdowns. Is that moving you? Not a ton. It, Over seven hundred rushing. That's the breakout year. Twenty two total seven touchdowns, touchdowns. We're talking about at the quarterback, and that's crazy. I and listen, it's not. I have been like, people talk about me as if I'm. I don't like Daniel Jones. It's not enough. Not, it's not I don't want to hear it. Your Daniel Jones that. card stripped. It's just that I am someone that's very even keeled in these moments Cap. where I evaluate Daniel Jones fairly. You Cap. evaluate Daniel Jones so far out the spectrum where, <laughs> yes. I've never called he, him top 10. I've never called him elite. He, you Calm took down. him over Tua. No, I did not. Yes, you did. did no, you not I did take not. Him over Tua? You probably took Tua. Nah, bro. I remember you taking him over Tua. No, I, I did not. I well, we could go back on the film and look no, at that. Uh, no, I can tell you exactly what I said. With the fact that Tua's injury concerns are a strong question, that if you wanted to take Daniel Jones, it would be understandable. But what goes on in the football field at the quarterback position, I take Tua 10 out of 10 times. Respect now, me. This Don't ever do thing. that. It's my guy for life. This is the thing about Daniel Jones. Yes, the wide receiver group is not good. It is what it is. I don't think Daniel Jones made those guys, though. And I think that you often try to say these quarterbacks make these players when maybe sometimes this guy just didn't get an opportunity, he was just having to be good. Because Isaiah Hodgins, as much as Daniel Jones made him, yeah. he was wide open a lot. Yeah, and Josh he was Allen, making he plays. Be successful. He never got an opportunity. And, you know, who knows what went on the in that. Like Gabe Davis. But let's, who knows what went on in that, in that building, but we're, we're not sure what happened. But I remember you telling me Kyler Murray made Christian Kirk. And then he goes to Trevor Lawrence and has his best season of his career. Talking about an elite prospect. I remember you telling me Derek Carr made Hunter Renfro. I don't think he made Hunter Renfro. Renfro was just injured this past season. Nah, that's a that guy, he was lucky for that because he was not great by any means. Not even I, good. I think that sometimes these players are just better than we expect. With that being said, Kirk, when you got, are the Giants receivers good? No, they're not. I think this year 
what helped them as a team is that they were able to run the ball effectively. Absolutely. Yes, you can point to Daniel Jones being one of the catalysts of their rushing attack and their offense. Definitely. But when it comes to you, you often like to prop up Daniel Jones as the nucleus of the offense and the reason it works. When I think Not true. it's easily Brian Dable. You said I like to do that? I feel so you like you I feel like you give all the credit to Daniel Jones. So you just cap. It, it, am I crazy for thinking that? Not no, all of. Not all of. He, I he appreciate gave credit that. To, Every to single Andrew time, Thomas to Dable. He just he gives Daniel Jones more credit than we do, and that's I, it. I think that Joel, for me, I'm, I'm here. I'm when here. I when I think about the Giants and, and Daniel Jones and Brian Dable, don't my name. Don't do that. Not with me. I barely hear you talk about Brian Dable, bro. I'm sorry. I said outside of Brian Dable, you allocate, we're talking about you players. Five seconds to Brian Dable, and you talk about <laughs> Daniel Jones for da- ten minutes. It's a Daniel Jones it's topic. Big. It is a Daniel, you, like, Daniel Jones topic. I'm sorry, but when I think about the Giants, I can go on for hours about Dable. Maybe I'll give five minutes to Daniel Jones, <laughs> but he is the reason. I have no respect. And for then him. Saquon Barkley being an All Pro running back again helped this offensive Definitely. line. I saw the no, I, there was numbers on Twitter about when Daniel Jones has Saquon and when he doesn't. And right. he's a significantly worse quarterback. That being said, every quarterback will benefit from an elite rushing attack. Absolutely. That is the case for everybody across the league. I think that for the reasonable price, the Giants can win with Daniel Jones. It might be difficult. And although this is a glorified franchise tag, I think they give this contract to Jones because, one, they aren't 100% sure about him. That is number one. I think number two, they're giving themselves a two-year window to try to compete and try to compete right now. They have some cap space, and I think the first move I'd make is going and getting Jacoby Myers on free agency. That's a guy that I'd probably pay for. And then they have 11 picks in the draft. If in the first round with the 25th pick they can get a Zay Flowers, you can now rebuild this wide receiver room, and you can see how Daniel Jones looks like with wide receivers. But I will also say that last year the Giants won, I think it was eight one-score games. Yep. That type of variance on a year-to-year basis is just not going to happen, mm-hmm. and it's very rare. We saw the Vikings, like the Vikings. Yeah, we saw the Vikings go from seven, eight, one-score losses in 2020, uh, 2021 to winning those games in 2022, and then it so happened they were undefeated in those games, and in the playoffs versus the Giants, they lost the only one-score game in, in they had in the season. That was the first loss of, of one score. At home. Yeah, at home, but if you watch the Vikings, you knew that, Every single game of theirs is going to be about that. Like those final possessions, those plays that come down to the wire, it's been the case all season. But I look at the Giants and who they beat. The Titans, the Panthers, the Bears, it's not impressing anybody. The Titans were a good team early in the season. Respect. That was week one. It was a big win. And it was a few. Y'all won by the Giants. <laughs> that, that was funny. Goodness. I respect that. The, Gi- the Giants won by a field goal. The Ravens, respectable. The Jags, respectable. And even the Jags, I mean, Daniel Jones threw, I think, a pick six, and they got called back. They I did. remember that game. The Texans, not really impressive. The Commanders, they tied with them before. You know, okay, when the Colts with Jeff Saturday, these aren't impressive wins. This year, you have the Cow- at home, you have the Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, Packers, Jets, Patriots, Rams, Seahawks. Better Don't schedule. forget the Vikings, though. The Vikings are a part of those wins as well. That's right. right. In the, I, I just didn't mention in, regular in playoffs. season. I didn't mention regular season. It's tightened. Yeah, yeah. In Respect. the playoffs, they beat the Vikings. Away opponents... Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, so the division. Yep. Saints, Raiders, Cardinals, 49ers, Dolphins, Bills. This schedule is much harder in 2023. You skipped, you you ran through the fa- you ran through pretty fast of some easier teams. Cardinals are going to be among one of the worst teams. Raiders, we shall we see. We're not sure. If the Cardinals in the second half of the season have Kyler back, they can win that game. Maybe. Ky- with Cardinals with yeah. Kyler Murray were not that great regardless. Fact. 
And that's nothing against Kyler. They're pretty shitty. Yeah. They're but not good. I look at the Saints. They'll be competitive. The Defense only team really that I think won't be competitive is the Raiders and Cardinals. Yeah. And even that we're not sure what moves they're going to make to improve the roster. It's early. But I'm just saying from just a bird's eye view, the schedule this upcoming season seems much more difficult. And I think that's why Joe Shane and Dave are going to have a two-year window to try and compete as much as they can in a weak NFC. And they have 11 picks in this draft, so they'll, they'll draft those players, they'll fill up those holes. But we mentioned this earlier in the season, 2024 free agents, unrestricted, Dexter Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, they're going to have to pay them. Daniel Jones, we'll see if he plays, plays great again this upcoming season. You know, you have options in the draft where you can draft our receivers or you can trade for somebody that's proven. Facts. You can go either direction. I'm just not so quick to just prop up Daniel Jones because he had a, a good season. I wouldn't even say great. I think he had a good season. Yeah, a good he season. had a good season. And he's a quarterback that is going to teeter around the 15 to 20 range. He's not a great quarterback. He's a good one. If you have a great and elite level team around him, he could win multiple playoff games. He didn't yeah. have a great – barely multiple? had a good – it depends on Listen, your bro. Opponents. It's very simple. He did not have a good team this year, and he won a playoff game. Well, he did have a great coach, a phenomenal coach. 100%. You get past the table. first round, then I you have to play the Eagles, the Niners. And it gets so, tough. Yeah. I right. think we have to just understand the, how much coaching plays into this. Definitely. Yeah. You have Brian Dable. You have Wink Martindale defensively. Those are two staples. And Mike Kafka, who could have probably been a head coach, he's their OC. They're going to have that. So, And I think that matters a lot. But the Giants have to build this roster up first because the cornerbacks are still lacking. They Definitely. have no linebackers. I love their defensive line. They have good safeties in Julian Love and Xavier McKinney. Offensive line needs work. Yeah, it does. and it, it does, does need some work. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Got to hope and pray on Evan Neal's progression because this rookie well, season was rough. I agree, but we look at the Giants, and this past season they had a bottom 20 defense in the NFL. Their offense was one of the better rushing offenses, but year to year, given Saquon's injury history, we're counting on him to stay healthy, no doubt. But – we never know what happens in the NFL. We never know what happens. True. So you, I, I just don't know if this season is repeatable. I think that they caught lightning in the bottle. They wrote it out. They won a lot of close games. It's good for them. They had a fantastic season. Mm. But I don't. I'm not jumping the gun on this too much. I think that they have to have to still make a lot of moves to where I'm looking at them as a legit team. In Theoretically, the I'm, last thing I'll say, John, you can go. I apologize. Theoretically, this team should be better this year than it was this previous one. Yeah. Theoretically, yes. absolutely, the Record, team maybe. should be better. You understand that with a subpar team, you're able to win a playoff game. It simply cannot be the case that you saw you could have success with limited, with limited talent. That if you're the front office, you don't understand. Hey, if we actually put pieces around these guys, maybe we can win two playoff games instead of one. Maybe we can make the NFC Championship game if we make the right moves. But that's off the fact that we just won with mediocrity. Go ahead. Coaching matters. That's half the game in the NFL. So what this means to the Giants, Jones gets four years, $160 million. When you see that number, you say, holy cow, that's a massive overpay, $40 million. But what matters is the guaranteed money. So the first year is only going to be a $19 million cap hit, which gives them the flexibility to give Saquon Barkley the non-exclusive franchise tag for $10 million. Now, the Giants got this off right before the 4 p.m. deadline, which was huge because Jones would have been the youngest quarterback to ever get the franchise tag. And like you said, Dell, it's a great point. So Jones this year, one thing we don't give him enough credit for is cutting down the turnovers. Just four fumbles, played in every single game, minus the Week week 18 game versus the Eagles. That was step number one. He cuts out the fumbles. Step number two, with a bad interior offensive line, he does a great job evading pressure. Definitely. And then step number three, helping extend drives with their play action. Now, their offense was incredibly gimmicky. 
and that's where Brian Dable comes in. He has the proven track record of whether it was at Alabama, whether it was in Buffalo, Josh Allen, and now in New York, everywhere he's went the last couple of stops, he's been to quite a few. He has taken that tutelage, what he learned from Bill Belichick, and helped apply that to the development of young quarterbacks. So for Daniel Jones, making him this highly paid, for two years, like you said, great point, they're in a weird stage where they should be rebuilding, but you wouldn't play off Kim as tough to tell ownership or actually, even though we were one of the final eight teams, we have to then take a step back. Now you have to see where you can build off of this. The next step in the draft is hitting on the wide receiver because Definitely. when you give Jones $94 million guaranteed at signing, $82 million guaranteed over two years, you still don't have an abundance of cap to then go in and get DeAndre Hopkins. It's probably not going to happen for the Giants. So Saquon Barkley, the other layer of this too is, if another team wants to give him more money, he can negotiate and he cannot be a giant next season. That's possible. Now, I don't know if any other team is not gonna, is going to give him more than $10 million, but that is some that's somewhere in the realm. Mm-hmm. And the last thing for Daniel Jones, he's 25 years old. He's still getting better. So while we can bash him now, I agree with you. Daniel Jones, I don't think, is ever going to be a top 10 quarterback. I think he's too limited to throw the football, especially downfielder. Dable, Dable did scheme up a lot of open throws, but he wouldn't see them because Daniel wasn't even taking a lot of those shots unless they were wide open. And he has good receivers. I love the point you make. Isaiah Hodgins not a scrub. Brian Dable and Daniel Jones both did a good job doing their own roles to help Isaiah Hodgins prove himself. I'm proud of you to get that statement off without smiling. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I really am. I think he's spitting facts. I mean, Hodgins got open on film. He was. He, he got open. He did. And he got to hit those shots. So, let's be honest. He got open Daniel in the intermediates. And Daniel Jones hit him every single time. There's no deep threat on the Giants. One, they're too slow. And two, you don't have any guy that can be physical and you could trust downfield. Well, there, are multiple, one, yeah. there are multiple plays where, Dan, where receivers open on the field and Jones has not. You know what I, I remember shots. vividly? The first one that came to my head. Darius Slay, Slayton, wide open on a deep pass. And it goes right through his hands, and he can't bring it back in. I, I feel like I have seen that from Darius Slayton so Doesn't often. Doesn't mean you don't take the shots. That's, no, but why would you take that shot when there's a strong possibility? One, you're not going to convert it. Two, why would you risk the interception when you could just hit the intermediate throw and continue moving the chains and waste clock? If you have limited options, you got to play smart. You can't take a risk and 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 potentially throw an interception and turn the ball over because the receiver's not getting blamed. Well, Nine twenty twenty three quarterbacks can make that happen. I, I don't know. I just don't think this is debatable. You know, Daniel Jones missed shots. It is what it is. He didn't take them. But again, it's one thing. Offensive line is not good. There's pressure in his face. He has to extend. But that's, in that moment, yes, you look away. You're not looking downfield. You're focusing on evading. There's reasons why you miss throws. His offensive line, although Andrew Thomas is elite, there is not a lot of other. Support on that offensive line. Sure. Evan think, Neal was very bad for a rookie. I think what you're saying is sound in, in a general and broad sense, but there are specific plays where those problems are not apparent. The offensive line is not the issue. The receivers are open, and he has time. He doesn't see throws. Every week. That's also happens. And I'm not going to act like I'm watching this all 22 because all I did was watch a Brett Coleman video, film analysis on Daniel Jones. and Saw that. And he pointed out a bunch of throws Daniel Jones did not hit. You know, this is somebody that I respect Brett Coleman's opinion a lot. So while Daniel Jones did play good, he also missed a lot of stuff. And even his analysis on Daniel Jones was that Brian Dable made it really simple for him. So I I know for me, I can't point that stuff out because I'm watching it from the broadcast view. I don't know what's happening past 10 yards down the field. But somebody who takes the time to watch the film like he does, I do respect his opinion. And... I kind of take that into account. I think Daniel Jones is somebody that, you know, 
as much praise as we want to give him, we also have to be realistic about who he is. So Jones is a high-level floor raiser. He's a great game manager, but he's not going to raise your ceiling class levels. And that's okay to accept, but it's an important thing for the Giants to monitor or look for alternative options. That way you don't become the Tennessee Titans. And I think that's what the Giants did with this contract. It's a two-year deal. That's all it is. And we said it you know, a couple weeks ago when we were previewing or maybe just discussing the rumors that were going on around $45 million. And although you'd never want to give him $40 million, $40 million on an annual basis, the worser thing you could have done, if that's a word, um, is pay him $32 million on the franchise tag and you have no flexibility because since it's basically half of that at $19 million, now the Giants could actually make improvements to this team. Um, but to talk about Daniel Jones and this contract, when I first saw it, you know, four years, 160, up to 35 million incentives. You sit there and you say, you're going to pay Daniel Jones maybe $50 million a year. That's not ideal. Mm-hmm. But then once once the you know numbers come out, you get the guaranteed money. When the guaranteed money is, it's a two-year contract. That's all it is. Um, it allows the Giants to kind of see what they have in Daniel Jones, not have an extremely long commitment towards him. And honestly, I think with Brian Dable, it's going to be pretty hard for Daniel Jones to suck. Right, Maybe he's not going to go out there being an all-pro quarterback. He's not going to be a top-five guy. But he's also shouldn't wreck your team. right? He shouldn't be out, go out there and be Zach Wilson and be the worst starting quarterback in the league. So I think there's at least a floor we have with Daniel Jones now that the front office could pay him and say, we know if he gives us what he did last year, we're okay with that. Because like Drew mentioned, I don't know realistically what other options were out there. They're drafting in the late 20s. Um, they do have some cap space, but now you're paying Daniel Jones. You were, you were never probably going to let Daniel Jones walk and bring in somebody else. It was always Daniel Jones and maybe a draft pick or a free agency on a cheaper contract. And who knows, maybe they could be in the market for one of the high-level backups, although they do seem pretty confident in Daniel Jones, maybe bringing back Tyrod Taylor, who could uh, you know make a spot start here and there. Um, but I think overall for the Giants, it was the right move. If you want to bring back Saquon, you want to bring back Daniel Jones, this is the way to do it. You franchise Saquon. Um, and I know there were some people talking about like the whole non-exclusive stuff. No, Saquon's going nowhere. No team is trading two first-round picks, which is basically what you would have to do to get Saquon Damn. Barkley. No one's doing that for a running back, plus paying him whatever it was. So that doesn't change by position, whether it's a quarterback or running Correct. back. It's two first-round first picks. picks. Holy yeah. shit. So not, no, okay, no team. I thought the other way around. Yeah, no team is, is doing that for a running back, no matter how great you are. We're going to talk about Derrick Henry later. He'll probably go for a second or third-round pick, right? So I think for the Giants, I know I haven't been the highest on Daniel Jones um, over this past year. You still have to look at it realistically. He's probably the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the conference, in the weaker conference with the weaker quarterbacks. He's going to be the third best quarterback in his division behind Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. So for the Giants to really make noise in the playoffs, they're going to have to make drastic improvements on the defensive side of the ball, I think. If this defense isn't elite elite, I have a hard time seeing them really getting winning multiple playoff games, getting to a championship game, maybe getting to a Super Bowl. They'll be competitive. They'll be in the wild card race. Maybe some unfortunate things happens to Dallas and the Eagles, and they could squeak by and win 11 games one year and win a division, right? But it is hard to see Daniel Jones, like you mentioned, John, raising the ceiling of this team and becoming a 4,000-yard passer with 30 touchdowns and getting MVP votes, which is basically what you're expected to do at $40 million. This is basically the Dak, the Dak Prescott contract from a couple years ago. It's four years, $160 million. We know Dak Prescott had proven so much more than Daniel Jones did at the time. It was just unfortunate timing for the Giants. They had to pay him now or else he would walk in free agency. But I think for the situation they were in, which I've been saying basically for the last three months, it's a less than ideal situation having to pay Saquon and Daniel Jones with all these other holes. I think they made the best out of a bad situation. What they did is what they had to do. 
that that's really what it comes down to. What no they doubt. did is what they had to do. You know, they, they could not draft a quarterback. They couldn't. You know, you can't move the only, only way is to go six. forward. And now. that's the shit that kills me. It's like everyone's having a coronary on, on Twitter. It's like, what what did you want the Giants to do? Because you let Daniel Jones walk, right? And then you're happy about that. But then the Giants suck. What are you going to do? You're going to get on Twitter. You're going to use your fingers. And you're going to type away saying how bad the Giants are. You should have kept Daniel Jones. There was no win-win here. Daniel Jones needed to get paid. The Giants messed up last offseason by not accepting his fifth his fifth year okay. option in hindsight. We can understand that at the time, sure, he wasn't deserving of that fifth year. But in hindsight, they messed up by not accepting that fifth year option. Now they put them in, in this position where they were handcuffed. You had to pay Tanya Jones because you legitimately had no other option. So that's the only thing that bothers me about that situation is just like everyone has an opinion, especially when it comes to the Giants and Daniel Jones. So just understand that there was limited that the Giants could do, and they did exactly what needed to be done this offseason so far. Now, another player that got paid was Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr had a couple teams he could choose from, three notably, the Jets, the Saints, and the Panthers. And he signed with the, the team that he visited before he got cut from the Raiders, which was the New Orleans Saints. I don't know about you guys, I'm not very high on this move. I'm not very high on it. I understand why he made it. And you look at Derek Carr, four-year, $140 million contract. He's getting paid around $37 million a year. Derek Carr has a relationship with Dennis Allen. He met with the Saints before he had signed there, so he knew what the culture was around it. And just let's talk about the teams that he was picking between, the Panthers and Jets. As much as... The Jets have made progress in these recent years. Their roster is still extremely young. Their offensive line is a question mark. Robert Sala's track record as a coach, and if he's going to be a great one, is still a question mark. And two good years from the Jets, and I would say really one good season, does not diminish what has been a decade-long reputation of what we've been. So Derek Carr choosing the Saints, I think, was also... From an organizational standpoint, I trust the Saints with Mickey Loomis more. Somebody who's been magically able to work with Cap like a magician. For sure. Every single year. He trusts Mickey Loomis more. He trusts Dennis Allen, his old coach, more. And the Saints are a team that's ready to win now. You know, despite the Jets and, you know, their record before they lost six in a row, the Saints are a team that they have veterans. They have a team that they want to win now. And that's why they keep prolonging these contracts because they believe they can win. You look at the Panthers. I love their coaching staff, but they're just not complete yet. There's still holes on that roster that need to be fixed. And that's why I think he picked the Saints. And an interesting stat about the Saints is that since 1993, Saints have had 472 quarterback starts from quarterbacks not drafted by them. Looking at the Saints offense, Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, we'll see if he's back, Chris Olave, their offensive line ranked 29th. They had a lot of injuries. Okay. The Raiders' offensive line ranked 10th. Nine different players played at least 100 snaps for the Saints last season at the offensive line. And only two had above-average PFF grades in Ryan Ramchick and James Hurst. I think offensively this is a good fit with Pete Carmichael. I think Derek Carr is really he's great under center. Since 2019, under center, he's fifth in QBR. He's second in completion percentage. He's tied seventh in passing touchdowns. And Carr has had the most touchdowns. He had the most touchdowns over 30 yards in 2022. 
He was third in QBR under pressure. And since 2014, he has the most game-winning drives of any quarterback with 33. And he finally has a great, a great defense. I, I know the Saints defense took a step back, but last three seasons, 2020, fifth-ranked defense, 2021, fourth-ranked defense, 2022, ninth-ranked defense. And in the second half, they were really elite. Derek Carr has a great organization. He has a good offensive supporting cast. He has an elite defense. I think this team will win games. Where I don't like it is that I saw the Saints last season start Jameis Winston, and very quickly it was apparent Jameis Winston was not good. Sean Payne hit a lot of things in Jameis Winston's game that were fatal flaws, and you saw that. Andy Dalton was not bad last season. He had 18 touchdowns and nine interceptions, had a 95 passer rating. And in terms of what Derek Carr brings and what Andy Dalton brings, they had Derek Carr in 2022 had 24 play attempts plus scrambles on, on broken plays. Andy Dalton at 25. So in terms of them as quarterbacks and able to create out of structure, they are similar. So the difference is going to be how much can Derek Carr offer that's much better than Andy Dalton in the pocket. This past season, Derek Carr was 13th in EPA per play. Andy Dalton was 20th. So while I do think Derek Carr is better than Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton did play well last year. And for this move to have a huge impact on the Saints, Derek Carr is going to outplay him by a wide margin, and that's still to be determined. I think the difference between Dalton and Carr is that Andy Dalton, under under intense moments and pressure, he crumbles. He's, he doesn't play well. Derek Carr in those moments thrives. So I think that could be the difference in the fourth quarter when Derek Carr needs to make a play, he'll make those plays. But I, I don't know where this puts the Saints. It puts them as a, a potential playoff team, but I, I don't view them as a, a legit or true contender, and I'm still very skeptical on Dennis Allen as a head coach. This is a really weird move where he reunites with Allen, who was fired in the middle of his rookie season. For the Saints, this does raise their ceiling after winning seven games last year. But my question is, why are the Saints so stubborn to winning now? You had the 30th overall pick that you got from the 49ers. Since Sean Payne retired, I felt like this team should have rebuilt and took a step back and then draft the younger quarterback, where it feels like now they're kind of taking a page out of the Colts playbook, maybe with Frank Reich, or going for all these veteran quarterbacks. Last year, you tried Jameis, took a shot in the dark, it didn't pan out, he had some injuries too, I get that. But with Derek Carr, you, you know what the ceiling is. You've talked about him, great point. In the regular season, he can make some big-time throws, but in the playoffs, Derek Carr's not bringing you anywhere. And what I think of is that game versus the Bengals where they blow a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter and with the season on the line is throwing short of the sticks. That's what I think of when I think of Derek Carr in the biggest of games. So for the Saints, in this division, you're in prime position to get a win next year because you don't know what's going to be on the side for the Buccaneers and the Panthers as well as some issues. But I just, I really wonder if the Saints team actually has a direction because the more I look at them with all their cap stuff, talked about Mickey Loomis has done, this organization is so stubborn and being respectable that they've kind of gotten to a point where it's like you're tying yourself to a hip of a team that's not going to play after you in the next five years. And so I like this move for Derek Carr. He gets stability. And I think another reason why I chose the Saints is because he feels like they won't draft the quarterback to then, you know, usurp him the way the Panthers may have with a higher draft pick. Uh, but ultimately, uh, for New Orleans, this is a really weird move. I put you in prime position to win the division, but where is this leading you? What's like, what's, let me ask you this question. Over under. Two playoff, two and a half playoff wins next five years for the Saints. No, I'm not gonna make that. under Un five about, years. So much could change. A lot can change exactly in the NFL. Um, five years ago, Tyreek Taylor's defense going back. Is his defense going to get any better than it already is right now? No, not really. Is Michael Thomas going to be healthy consistently? You don't know that. Is his offensive line going to get better? I mean, it can't be any worse. That's the hope that it gets better. Mm -hmm. 
Trevor Penning will be healthy next year. What are you going to do at the running back position? Yeah, their defense, is, their defense is great, but it's getting older. And that's, I think that's a problem. Their entire defensive line is old outside of Marcus Davenport. Cameron Jordan, David Onyemata, they're older. Demario Davis is older. You know, everybody's kind of reaching past their, their best years. This past season, defensively, especially in the past defense, where they were second-ranked right behind Philadelphia, they were phenomenal. Ninth-ranked in terms of fewest points allowed per game. The defense was great. That was the one thing that carried over from the season prior. The issue and why I'm not all in on this move, similar to what you said, John, because you spoke a lot of truth there, this does put them in prime position to win the division. They should, as of right now, be the favorites to win the division. And that's the one thing that the Saints did by, by locking in this move. Hey, now we get to be relevant come playoff time. You make the playoffs. Anything can happen. We can host a playoff game. We're one of the best environments to play at home also. No one's going to want to come come into to the into the Superdome. I'm blanking. Uh, of course, you just don't want to go into New Orleans and play a play an away game. That's that simple. The issue the here, Superdome. the Superdome. Okay, Caesars. good. I'm happy. The one thing that concerns me is Michael Thomas's health, because I understand Michael Thomas. You guys are demons. I understand Michael Michael Thomas's talent. Absolutely, I'm one of those guys that has been very a, a strong advocate of his. He's on the field. He's dominant. We saw that this year when he was on the field. He was really good. He just can't stay on it. And it's super unfortunate that with Olave and Michael Thomas, this is a duo that you have to talk about if they're on the field. And then, of course, with, with the legal situation going on with Alvin Kamara, we also don't know what's going on there and with, with Alvin and whether he's going to be playing football or not this season or how long that suspension is going to be, if there's going to be a suspension at all. That's just such a huge question mark that there's just no – there's nothing that's for certain with this New Orleans offense. You'll know that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback. The hope is that Olave, Michael Thomas will be there. The hope is that Alvin Kamara will be there. But these are all hopes. You don't know what is for certain other than the fact that Derek Carr will be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. So I do like it where, yes, now you've probably given yourself a lock chance at winning, winning their division and going to the playoffs, hosting a playoff game. But in the long term, how is this really going to benefit us when we're not going to have prime draft capital to really rebuild this roster. And with that, I 100% agree with John. I hate a team that's caught in limbo, where you're not going all in on being bad, but you're not trying to go all in on trying to win a Super Bowl, where, yes, the Saints have tried their hardest to win a Super Bowl, but at this point in time, it should be understood that those days are behind them. You no longer have the Sean Payton head coach, one of the best head coaches in the league, offensive mastermind. You no longer have the Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. Yes, the defense is great. The secondary is great. But there's nothing consistent about this team on the offensive side of the ball that allows me to have optimism about the Saints long term. So the Saints have seven picks in this upcoming draft. Mm -hmm. And the first-round pick they got for Sean Payne is the 29th pick in the draft. So not a high-end first-round pick. I will say, if the Saints can draft well... Which they do. then Yeah, which they do then this could change the outlook of things. For sure. It does. It definitely, like John said, it moves me, right? It changes the ceiling for you because you go from Andy Dalton to Derek Carr, a substantial upgrade. There's there's no discrediting that. In the NFC, Derek Carr is, I mean, he, he's in that tier with Stafford and Cousins, right? You have Jalen Hurts. Um, and then after that, it's like Stafford, Dak, Cousins, Carr, right? So in any given year, he could really be the second-best quarterback in his conference, assuming Aaron Rodgers gets traded, right? So I understand the move in that sense. If you look at a team like the Jets that he was linked to, you go there, and 
at minimum your second in your division. You're probably ninth in the conference. So he's going to go to the NFC where he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks. I understand that. I know a lot of discussion is he has familiarity with Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen coached him for four games his rookie year when Owen Foran got fired. So, listen, maybe they talk offseason. Maybe they do workouts together. I don't know. But in terms of having a successful on-the-field relationship, very small sample size, I don't know if that was the driving force, you know, getting Derek Carr to the Saints. Um, and then you look at the offensive weapons. Of course, Michael Thomas, Kamara, who Mike has spended a lot of it, was great his rookie year. But then look at what he had in Vegas, and this past season was probably better than that, right? He has Easily. one yes. of the, the best receiver in football, if not top two. He had Josh Jacobs, who was the best running back in football this past season. Waller and Renfro were hurt, but we saw even this the season before that. Mm -hmm. They're both very valuable weapons to a team. So I don't even think realistically he's getting an upgrade on the offense side of the ball, especially when you take into account Michael Thomas' injury history and Alvin Kamara most likely getting suspended. Although we did say that last season, he didn't end up getting suspended. And then as you guys mentioned, they don't have a pick till pick 29, currently $24 million over the cap. They'll, they'll be able to make room. They'll make cuts, restructure to get under. But overall, they're still going to be limited in terms of being able to improve this team. And I know over the years, their defense has always been one of the better ones, especially the last three years. I think you mentioned last year, they were ranked ninth. But I do have a hard time believing this is a true Super Bowl caliber team. Um, this division right now is a mess. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for any of these teams outside of the Saints right now. So you have to say they're the favorite at the minimum to win the division. But when you look past that, it's still hard for me to say they could get past the Cowboys. They could pass the Eagles, the 49ers, um, the Lions, depending on the moves they make. The Seahawks, who can make another step. Like I still look at a, a lot of teams. The, Ly the Lions and Seahawks are in their tier. Without a doubt, they're in their tier. I think they're they not could be Dallas, too. Maybe. You still oh, think when the, you know, the they go to the Super Bowl last year. Now the they Saint can't be the Saints. But the Saints' defense is elite, bro. It is, but you you really do have to rely on that defense And the Cowboys don't have anybody to really worry about offensively. They don't have multiple guys that you got to worry it's about. CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, they're probably bringing we'll someone see else. Also, it's a strong possibility. They're in, let me not say strong. They're in conversation. I'm going to be honest, in the DeAndre. NFL right now, when you have two guys that you got to worry about, that's not enough. I mean, the Saints are know. kind of the same boat. I mean, what team has more than two guys that you have to worry about? All the contenders do. Not really. I do think so, yeah. The only two. I'm the only one I can think the of. Bengals, the Bengals, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. I'm oh, sorry, are we, talking, are we just talking just NFC? I'm sorry, I'm just talking in general, really. The Bengals, yes. Bengals, okay. Dolphins. 49ers. But ha, do Niners. they have more than two? Or the who? The Bengals? T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Hollow Boyd, for sure. Boyd, Boyd is the best three in the league. Okay. And then they have an elite quarterback. And Detroit's going to pour on that, too. That's Jameson nothing, Williams my whole point is about the, the weapons, though. I feel like... You could still do it with, oh, with two. Oh, no, but the elite, uh, if you have an elite quarterback, there's more margin for error. Yes. You also want that second guy to be a receiver instead of a running back. No, yep. I'm with, I agree. Yeah. I mean, but outside of, outside of CeeDee Lamb, it's who? Michael Gallup? Dalton Schultz? Well, Schultz is a free agent. Tony Pollard. Schultz is a free agent. And also, Odell, not moving me. Odell is, I mean, that's probably going to be the land spot for him, right? There's Maybe. always the talk in the regular season, but then his knee wasn't right. But I still think Odell has something left in the tank, right? Obviously, he was trying to rush it to get back this season, but I think long-term, it'll be better for him to sit out, get through a whole training camp, OTAs with the team, and Dallas still feels like the favorite to me. But just getting back to the Saints really quickly, then we can move on to the to the last topic. Um, Derek Carr was someone who I wanted on the Jets, right? He's someone that I thought I saw as could be a, a stabilizer, in a sense, a bridge quarterback. He's a franchise guy, but not an upper echelon type guy. So I just want to keep the same energy I would have had if he signed for the Jets than I did with the Saints. The only reason I have a little bit of hesitancy, just because I think the Jets defense is 
a tier above the Saints. They're still great, don't get me wrong. But the only reason why I was pushing for Derek Carr a couple weeks ago was because I thought everything around him, everything else around him would be perfect. The Saints, I still think there's some more to do, although maybe you have a bit more experience with a guy like Michael Thomas if you trust him to stay healthy rather than Garrett Wilson, even though you probably take Garrett Wilson over MT right now going forward. Um, but with that being said, I still think it's a solid move for the Saints. It's just Derek Carr is your quarterback, and you just kind of have to live with he'll always be good, but when we have these conversations, you can't be upset when we say, look, not look for an upgrade, but when we don't put him in that upper echelon, when we don't give him the credit, we do guys like Jalen Hurts and the Burroughs who went to Super Bowls in the previous two years. Can I say something real quick about Michael Thomas? So I do think with the Saints team, their weapons, the receivers specifically – are underrated. Shahid last year a really good season with Andy Dalton, but here's the be thing, so Michael serious. Thomas. Shahid, he's so serious. He's a good player, dude. He's a good third receiver he's as a like role a player. Squad player. Now he played very well. He made some great plays over the okay. course of the season. Stop sleeping. You sleep in a lot of players, Dallas. <laughs> I do. I, you do sleep in a lot of players. Like Listen Devin this. Michael Thomas he just doesn't give respect to the unknown guys, and it's weird to me. He does that. You know, you're a sleeper. So Michael Thomas was historically good when he comes in the NFL. If there was first four seasons, no receiver has more receiving yards. 5,500. Three years since in 2020, 2021, and 2022, he's played a total of 10 games. Just three touchdowns. Missed a lot of time with multiple ankle injuries. I don't want to call it a fall off because he's still just 29 years old. He's turning 30. But it's kind of insane to me how quickly. I heard We heard that, of course. You might have heard on the mic. Said. His rise and his <laughs> peak, 1,700 yards in 2019. And we thought that was just the beginning for Michael Thomas. And that could potentially be the end. And I hate to say that because he was, for as much as people want to make fun of him for the you know the slant, check down, merge, and whatnot, he was a great player. Yeah. He had more receiving yards than Randy Moss. Odell Beckham Jr. in his first couple of seasons. You know, it sucks because I always root for these. When these when these players have certain starts to their careers that rival Jerry Rice, and it's like there's potential for this guy to surpass them, I root for those guys. Michael yeah. Thomas was one of those guys. He, he was on pace to you know maybe be in that tier and then he just fell off. The reason, uh, and I, I know you wanted to keep the same energy for Carr if he goes to the Jets and stuff. And Listen, I do believe that Derek Carr wanted to come to the Jets. I think that if, if the Jets were ready right now to sign him and weren't waiting on Rodgers, Derek Carr would 100% be a Jet. This might be better for him for the fact that if he fails with the Saints, no one's gonna talk about it doesn't it. matter. It really doesn't matter. True. If he fails with the Jets, oh, it matters. And he's going to a, a conference that, even if he is like the sixth to seventh-ranked quarterback in the NFC, any of those guys that are above him, he can outplay yep. on, on any given you know, game, really. I mean, you look at Matthew. Like I look, I, I've ranked these quarterbacks. Number one, Jalen Hurts. Number two is Dak. Number three, Stafford. Number four is Collar. Number five is Cousins. Number six is Carr, and I have Geno behind him. Dano Jones is like eight to ten. Derek Carr, outside of Jalen Hurts, I I'm comfortable that you know they, he can outplay him any any given yeah. game. And even Jalen Hurts versus the Saints defense, you know, then again it's a battle of the defenses you're going up against. That Saints defense is elite. The rush and defense they, is not that good, but yes, yeah. their pass defense is really really good. And this might have influenced Derek Carr's decision earlier in the year, October 30th. I forgot what week what week was. It's probably week eight. The Saints beat the Raiders 24 to zero. So Derek Carr got first hand got, saw firsthand how elite that defense is yeah. and how much it can limit you. So I I think the Saints having an elite defense. 
the Saints could win a playoff game. They could make the playoffs, and they should be favorites to win the NFC South. That's why I like it so much for Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. I think Derek Carr is a great quarterback who's gotten underrated in his entire Raiders tenure, and now that he has a stable organization, if the cap hell is not apparent, which, listen, so far it hasn't been. We haven't seen any bleedings of the moves they've made that we've thought is eventually going to catch up to them. Mm -hmm. This could be a perfect spot for Carr to showcase his abilities and finally get a playoff win or two and really stamp himself as a quarterback. Now, next topic, Seahawks pay Geno Smith. Then we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and really the question marks around why he's not somebody that teams want right now. Because right now it seems like nobody wants Lamar Jackson. The Seahawks pay Geno Smith three-year, $105 million. He will earn $52 million in the first calendar year. And the Seahawks deal with Geno has a base value of $25 million per season. It's three years, $75 million with $40 million fully guaranteed at signing, sources say. And he'll earn $28 million in the first year of the deal. I think this is different than the Saints going after Carr and the Giants signing Jones. The Saints went after Carr because that's their quarterback long-term. Derek Carr is their quarterback long-term for the, at least four years, or three most, yeah. or three at the least. With Daniel Jones, it's a two-year prove-it. We want to see what you've done for us. And I think they're also invested in him for these next two years, $40 million. You know, they're invested in some $82 million guaranteed. With Geno Smith, the situation is so different because the Seahawks happen to be in a very unique situation where they traded a, a former all-pro quarterback for multiple first-round picks. And that quarterback was so bad in this place called Denver that they netted the fifth overall pick in the draft. Last time. Pete Carroll... There was a report that came out that said, man, him and Anthony Richardson had instant repertoire. I mean, they were clicking. I mean, what if the Seahawks decide to take someone like Richardson with the fifth overall pick? They sit him for one or two seasons behind Geno Smith, and then Richardson starts in Seattle. Now, that's a possibility. The Seahawks have so many avenues to get better, and maybe they don't even do that. Maybe they draft one of these top defensive prospects, and they just go all in. Because right now, Seattle's a great team. They just lack a run defense. They don't have a good defensive line at all. But you, you have Geno Smith. You have good receivers. You have a great running back. Your tackles in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas are solidified. I mean, the Seahawks, I think, paying Geno, I, I love that they pay Geno. Does Geno Smith deserve this money? And he earned it, man. Going from drafted to the Jets, career in the mud, to the Giants having a chance, but the Giants fans booing him out the building because they didn't like how Eli was treated to the Chargers and then learning from Russ in Seattle. Geno Smith's story has been incredible, and I'm glad that he got paid. Facts. Zach, what's the next? For what? This same career arc. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> Geno is better than Zach Wilson. Really? Yeah, he is. There's only an MVP can in the first six weeks of no, the season. No, I'm, I'm talking about to start the, the career. Oh, yeah, calm. <laughs> Calmly. <laughs> Calmly. Uh, shit. I guess I can, I can talk about Geno Smith. Listen, of course, being the bitter Broncos fan, I won't do that. I got to give nothing but credit to, to Geno Smith and what the Seahawks were able to, to accomplish over there this season. Probably the most surprising team this season, not named the New York Giants. And I yeah. say that for the fact that they traded their franchise quarterback and in the process were able to potentially acquire their future franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. I believe that if I'm the Seahawks and I have the fifth overall pick and a C.J. Stroud is, at, is available at that selection – 
I find it near impossible to pass up on that option. You take the 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 selection in C.J. Stroud. You allow him to sit. This allows C.J. to sit and learn under Geno Smith for one season, and then it allows you to move on and potentially even trade Geno to get future capital as well. I understand that what Geno Smith did this season was great. The only reason why I'm kind of shocked at the the price tag that they gave him is for the fact that they do have the fifth overall pick, and they do have the potential to select an Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud. That would be the only reason why I wouldn't expect them to invest long-term into Geno, especially after one season of this. But this season was just so great that I understand paying him. He was real. He was phenomenal. Was able to make it to the playoffs. Yes, they did get bounced in the first round, but it was an unfavorable matchup against the Niners, who were just a better team on both sides of the ball, defensively and offensively. But me personally, I wouldn't have invested this money into Geno because of that top five pick. But now it allows you a luxury. Right now, you can still select at the number five pick a, a quarterback, or right now you address the defense that desperately needed help in terms of points per game. It was one of the bottom defenses in the league, but it still was able to overcome because their offense was so high scoring and so high potent that it didn't matter. Rushing, passing, they were clicking on all cylinders, and Gino was a huge catalyst to that as well. Got to give credit to Pete Carroll. I'm a Russell Wilson guy, but I can't ignore the obvious. Pete moves on from Russ and goes and gives Gino the best career of his year, uh, the best season of his career. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at five. I'm still in favor of them selecting a quarterback, but now they have a little bit of flexibility. Oh, <sighs> We got to give Geno some love. You got to. Because as a Jet fan in New York, I remember as a rookie, he led the NFL in game-winning drives, and we saw those flashes. He then spends a handful of years sitting behind Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Russell Wilson. But what do you know? Just like Jordan Love, those quarterbacks tend to pick up a couple of things, right? Here we go. And this and last year, greats, you know, Geno was an MVP can to start the season, right? Lights out. As the year went on, he started to see a little bit of the poor decision-making habits maybe carry over some. But then against the 49ers in the plus, he played a solid game against the best defense in football. He had a fumble and interception, but he played well. And they're even up at halftime versus a Niners team yeah. that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl. We all expected. Geno Smith had a phenomenal season, right? Becomes a single-season passing leader for the Seahawks. 30 TDs, limits the interceptions. I love his athleticism, though. His ability to move out the pocket, extend plays, and he's got great arm talent. I'm excited for him because this is a great deal for the Seahawks. It truly is. $25 million per season with $40 million only guaranteed over three years. Now he's going to have upwards of $30 million in incentives. So while it is three years, $105 million, he's going to be one of the lowest paid starting quarterbacks that's on that second contract. Technically for him, it's his fourth or fifth, whatever it is, but second meaningful long-term contract. And for them, that gives them that optionality. You're not tied to him as much as a Jared Goff or Carson Wentz where you have to have him starting long-term. With that fifth pick, I think they might go Jalen Carter. Obviously, he's going to slip. They're going to go defense. They're going to add to that defense. They're going to add more and more. And ultimately, for the Seahawks offense, they're going to be firm. Right? You get, we'll see what happens with Rashad Penny this year. The running game is going to be elite. And so long as Kenneth Walker, exactly. So if Rashad Penny is to change a pace back, he can somehow stay healthy. That would be insane. Oh, he is. Ken was the guy, but Rashad is still good enough that you can have the one, two. But you want to lean on Kenny. You want to lean on Kenny. That's a good point. And I think for the Seahawks offense, like I said before, I mean, it's just a matter of building up that offensive line more and more, again, the development of those two rookie tackles in this last year. And this division, I think they're going to be right back in prime position next year to make the playoffs. And that, to no small part, it's going to be kind of Geno Smith's development. This guy's 32 years old. He can get better and more reps, and I'm just happy to see him thrive. Sure, well-deserved contract. And you always love to see the first number that comes out, usually the agent's number, yeah. three years, $105 million, and it's actually three years, $75 million, yeah. and everything else is incentives. Yeah. 
So the yeah. fact you're getting Gino at a base of twenty five million dollars, so come is up. an absolute steal. Yep. Um, so first of all, Gino well deserved. I mean, the fact his career arc is something we've rarely ever seen in the NFL. The fact he goes from a bust, second round bust, to backup to borderline franchise quarterback for the Seahawks team, saying that loosely, you know, but getting paid $75 million over three years is no laughing matter. Seahawks believe in him. He deserves it. Completed 70% of his passes this year. And honestly, they didn't even miss Russell Wilson for being completely, no. you know, transparent with each other here. Um, and it also gives the Seahawks flexibility. I think it was a win-win on both sides. Gino gets his money. He gets his big-term contract. He's been searching for his entire career. Mm-hmm. And the Seahawks still have the ability to be flexible, right? Only forty million guaranteed, twenty-five million in base. And it's important to remember the incentives, which puts it up to one hundred five million, does not count towards the cap. It's just the twenty-five million dollars in base and the guaranteed money that will count year to year. Let's talk about the fifth overall pick. It's a luxury. It's a luxury to have this pick, and because of that luxury, I think they should seriously consider drafting a quarterback there. I think this contract tells you they believe in Geno, but they don't believe in Geno enough to make him their long-term quarterback for the next five years, give him a ridiculous amount of guaranteed money, and say we're not even going to think twice about drafting a quarterback. Geno Smith is the absolute perfect, maybe the best bridge quarterback in the NFL right now. He's someone who could start in the Seahawks for the next one to two years, maybe even three if you really need to push it, and bring in a rookie quarterback who could learn and develop under a guy who has all the experience in the world has gone through all the ups and downs in the NFL and just the perfect mentor for a quarterback to come in and, and be the perfect backup and really develop their skill set while still having um, you know a guy in front of you that could win games if you're a Seahawks fan. So at the fifth pick, I think the first three will be some way, some order of Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Will Anderson. Jalen Carter is a bit of a mystery box right now with his legal situation. He could go as high as one. He could drop out of the top 10. We really don't know uh, what's going to go on with him. But those three picks are solidified. So that means at the minimum, you'll have Will Levis or Anthony Richardson there available at pick five and potentially even both of them there available at pick five, depending on what happens um, with the Colts at four if they trade up or down. Um, so I would definitely be taking a quarterback there. I think the fact that you could get someone with insanely high upside like Richardson, or if you're a Will Levis guy, it doesn't go, there, there is no, it's your golden ticket to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Having a quarterback on a rookie contract, we say it at nauseam at this point, but that is your golden ticket to get to a Super Bowl. And although there's a bunch of prospects that are probably worth it, Tyree Wilson, I know is a guy they like a like, like a lot. They need help on the defensive line. He's versatile. He could play inside or outside, get to the uh, get to the quarterback. He's a 7-2 wingspan. I know that's someone they've been linked to. But the fact that you could get a position of kind of need, the most important position, and a position that has an impact like no other in football and still have another first-round pick that's in the, the teens, the late teens. Broncos plus them. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation that rarely happens in the NFL. Usually, if you're picking top five, you need a quarterback, or your quarterback is injured, or there's a question mark there. This is a situation where that's not the case, where they're completely sold on Geno. They could take a shot at a quarterback, and if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world, because you still have Geno, and you still have your other first-round pick that you could build up the defense and still be competitive this year. And as John mentioned, the only other team that really scares me in the MC West is, of course, the 49ers. We know they're without... Without a doubt, the juggernaut of that division. But the Rams, does that really scare anybody? They're going to have to make some cuts. We talked to uh, Jalen Ramsey is in name, Allen, Ro- Allen Robinson, although he's pretty washed right now. The Cardinals might have the number one pick overall next year. So in the NFC, this is a Seahawks team that if they 
if they continue to develop because they have a ton of rookies that they had from last year, draft well, sign free agents that, uh, you know, reasonable deals. There's no reason to not think they can make the playoffs next year while still developing a quarterback. And if he hits, you hit on Anthony Richardson. Now you have, you know, your franchise quarterback just waiting for you, almost like an Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love situation. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. I'm really fine with whatever direction the Seahawks go in because I think they can win with Geno Smith. You know, I think that they could go on a playoff run with Geno Smith if they build up that defense. When you watch Geno's tape this past season, it, it wasn't simple things he was doing. He was making big-time throws, tight window throws to lock it, to DK Metcalf, between two, three defenders. He was airing it out. He was making big-time throws. He played like one of those great quarterbacks in, in moments, and I would say most of the season. Half of the season he played at that level – there were certain times where he played against better defenses where he regressed, but I think if you get a better offensive line and, and another receiving option, because outside of DK and Lockett, at tight end and at the slot, they don't have somebody that is valuable, and if they have an offensive line, they can now run with Kenneth Walker and be more effective there. This defense, I mean, we're forgetting that. This oh, upcoming man. season, they're getting the press back. Talk to they're going to have Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Quadre Diggs, Jamal Adams. If Jordan Brooks, I think, is still really good, if they build up this defensive line and go with the Jalen Carter, or who knows, maybe they trade back because there's teams that want a quarterback at five. I'm insane. Oh, Chris, and they Chris trade Gonzalez. back and they get another first-round pick next season. They can make some noise. And Brett Coleman was saying something on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Yeah, Brett. They could draft a DTR later in the draft. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, so who has a great arm but needs some polish as a quarterback. And he's gotten better each year since he's been 18. So that could be an option in like the later rounds, the third or fourth round where they can draft a guy like that. And he could sit under Geno. It doesn't always have to be one of these top prospects. It could be somebody that you can get in the lower rounds and maybe they can be a bridge for a couple of years. And ultimately it's very hard to find a rare quarterback on an elite level talent. And while I think guys in this draft have that, it also could be a risk where, the Seahawks can draft the impact defensive player now mm-hmm. and potentially win some playoff games with Geno because I think Geno is a good enough quarterback to win you playoff games if the roster is around him. Without a doubt. I only worry for the fact that what, how many playoff games? Can he win you a Super Bowl? Can Geno win a Super Bowl? Unlikely. In the NFC, I think you can win multiple playoff games. There are a lot of holes in that team that can correct. Second cornerback, defensive line. Those rookies developing, you can definitely go to the NFC Championship game with Geno Smith because, like you said, I talked to that as a ability to move out the pocket. NFC Championship that means they're, they're beating the the 49ers. That's two playoff wins. That means that they're beating the Eagles. One of the two needs to happen to get there. Is that happening? The Eagles are the only. Are they going to win their division? The Eagles are the only team that I don't think that they probably they can't beat. I think the Eagles have a great roster. And even then, we have to see the Eagles and how they look like after all these free agents. Seven on the You can't forget that the Niners defense. were just dominant they, all season and, and long either. In the NFC, there's a bunch of just and they just went 0-3 to the Niners this but season. A lot can change in the NFL. At face value, the Niners and the Eagles clear. But 
we see every other year, Niners get ruined by injuries. They win six, seven, eight games. Now we know they're at the playoffs. Seahawks win the division, and maybe they can go to the NFC Championship That's the game. thing. I just don't see it happening. Key injuries. Really? It's, it's tough. It'll be tough to see that happen. I mean, I also didn't see them making the playoffs this year. Yeah. And they did. Because Kyle right? Shanahan and so team stay healthy. What do I know, I guess? That's true. Uh, uh, the 49ers simply don't stay healthy. <laughs> But, but, but I do still, think the, the NFC, make the the NFC there's champions. a lot of They don't teams. stay healthy, and they made it to two straight NFC championship games. Respect. Let's respect them, please. Including their quarterback. Multiple. Three quarterback injuries. Nick Bosa and Fred Warner were healthy. Now they lose to Miko Ryans. Does Talanoa Uthanga regress with Robert that saw loss? Them, they were fine. Well, I 2020, think they were injured. 2021, Jimmy did get injured down the stretch, and that hurt how, them in the playoffs. Think about how hard it is to have three straight though. awesome DCs. Yeah, and it cost them because he couldn't. He, he was. They have a lot of talent. No, and done. they went to and the Mr. Irrelevant, <laughs> Brock Purdy, and they were able to make it to an MC chip. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the consistency that the, the Niners show, you have to respect them and give them that acknowledgement. No, no doubt. But then you also have to look at the NFC, and there's a lot of teams with holes on the roster. I think that the NFC. Dallas is fine. Dallas has, I mean, listen, if you build up a defense that can tame Dallas's offense, you're in a good position. The Niners and already now, have that. Yeah, and, hmm? The Niners already have that. They're not, yeah, yeah, they did do no, that. But that's what I'm saying. The Seahawks, their secondary is still solid for sure. And, and Jamal coming back, that's, no, that's not something to just like, gloss I think, over. I think when you talk about Dallas, for example, they lost Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy's not calling plays. He has more responsibility on him. Mm-hmm. How do they react to that? Uh, you, you're not sh- their weapons to me are underwhelming. They need somebody else. You look at the Eagles; they're an elite team. We know they're that. Probably going to get somebody. The else. NFC South, nobody in that division worries me. No, I'm with you. The NFC North, Saints. I, not really. I, that's I think another the Saints, thing. Saints, Saints, Saints and Seahawks are in the same tier. But that's what I'm saying. There, there's teams that are all around the same tier, yeah. and that's why to me, I think the NFC is wide open. Where that, that's why the Giants made the move they did. They understand that. Listen, if we have a killer draft and we sign one, two guys of free agency. We can make a run at this thing in the NFC because they understand it's, it's a weak conference and a team that probably shouldn't have. I mean, who were the four starting quarterbacks in the NFC in, in the divisional round of the NFC? Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Kirk, Jones Kirk, and and Brock. You know, for you, or respect, but I, that's on a year-to-year basis. I can see Dak, that changing. Franchise from, quarterback, Jalen Hurts, franchise quarterback, top seven, top six quarterback. Daniel Jones right now is. Got an extension. 16th. Still, the, the verdict's out on him being a franchise quarterback in the Giants' eyes. And Brock Purdy, who we cannot just simply overlook for the fact that he was the last pick in the draft. I'm he overlooking Brock Purdy so He's much. 17th best quarterback. I'm sorry. You I'm said something sorry. right there. The Saints and the Seahawks are in the same tier. I don't think that's true. Why not? Dennis Allen could be gone a year, whereas Pete Carroll, the definition is stability, and you have this Broncos pick. When is Pete Carroll retiring? He's the oldest coach in the NFL. I'm not, not even worried about. Not co- I think Perry Col- Pete Carroll's better coach, but that Saints defense yes. is so much better than the but Seahawks. What if right they had another draft the way they just? They could, did. but I, but we've seen for fucking like every year the Saints defense is good. It doesn't matter. Like the Seahawks, you have to project their defense to be good. The Saints, you're projecting, but you also have history telling you they're a good defense as long as Dennis Allen is there. There's just kind of. A feeling I get, John Schneider missed a lot of years in the draft, and last year they hit it out the park. All I'm saying is that when you look at the Seahawks so. or other teams in the NFC, it's not like comparing it to the AFC. Damn, they got to get past a, a Joe Burrow or Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson, a Justin Herbert, etc. It's not that way in the, in the NFC. In the NFC, it's okay, you got to face Daniel Jones. You know, Can you beat Daniel Jones? Can you, can you beat Brock Purdy? You know, we don't. The 49ers, for as much credit as I like to give Kyle Shanahan, I think he's the second-best offensive play call in the league behind Andy Reid. Andy Reid yep. 
it's you can scheme up to stop some of the things they do. Like and, what? And Brock Purdy have they done it? Brock Purdy is a uh, is an unimpressive quarterback to me. Okay, you could say that he's unimpressive. That's fine. I understand, right? He didn't do anything that absolutely wowed you. But what wowed me is that he was a third string quarterback and he looked better than the one that he played that he succeeded. That doesn't make him invincible though. The Seahawks can beat him. I'm well, he had a chance to they had a chance to beat him and they got smoked. The first half double was very digits. close. The first half was They're very up. close. And then Brock Purdy turned it up. Yeah, but then you not just Brock Purdy. I'm just Brock using Purdy not the first Brock Purdy didn't turn it up. He actually was He was okay. He was, yeah. he was, he was really right. he had a negative EPA in that game. Enough with this bullshit he did, he EPA. Did they smoked him by double digits. No it was a garbage time touchdown to make it closer than it was also. Yeah, EPA is the best stat to use for I don't you said that about DVOA. What happened to that? We moved on to EPA. No, they're both the best the best stats to use for I'm just saying, let's just use our eyes. Brock Purdy won games, he looked decent. If you use your eyes, you see that Brock Purdy threw a dangerous throw that could have been easily intercepted, and it, it was. You, you can look at it half. He's an all right quarterback that wins games. Can he be as good as Geno? He's Smith? a backup. Brock's a great backup. Brock Purdy's a backup. Is Jimmy G a backup? Career backup? Yes. You would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo's right. not good. So who would you rather have, Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo next to yours? I'd have Jimmy Garoppolo. What? I think Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, what? That is no, what, that's no, why no, no. In no. a vacuum or in San, on San Francisco? No. Brock is in a vacuum. vacuum. Brock is way vacuum. more athletic. Yeah, okay, Jimmy's they, a statue sim- in the pocket. Jimmy doesn't hit those high level. Like if you're the Jets, are you taking healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy? You take Jimmy. I would take Brock. Less money, but. Think about it. Jimmy's but I, I don't know, I'm going to be honest, bro. I'm not going to argue about mid-quarterbacks <laughs> like this. That's something I'm not going to do. But we, both... we argue about mediocrity on the NBA all the time. Don't fucking act like it's we had a, you. We had it's a Jimmy Jared Garoppolo. Goff versus Justin Fields debate. It's, it's, listen, Ooh, listen. Justin Fields. Goff versus Fields. Oh, Fields. Listen, listen it's clears. Jimmy Garoppolo, bro. It's not. It's He's Jimmy... a statue. No, Brock I'm saying I'm saying, better than Jimmy G this year. Jimmy Garoppolo. Who played better, Brock Purdy or Jimmy G? Who had more time to play with Christian McCaffrey? Oh, um, come on, But you man. said before when they made the trade that, didn't that it wasn't an you. impact. It doesn't matter. No, it, what did I, bro, y'all be misinterpreting what I said. I said it didn't matter because this doesn't put them into Super Bowl contention. I said this move does not make them a team that's going to win it all now. Well, did you not have them going to the Super Bowl, yes or no? Yeah, but yeah, they, I don't have them winning. Uh, I'm not going to do them like that. He ultimately got it right. So I, didn't, I, didn't have them, I didn't have them winning. You know, and I had them going to it because, you know, Yes, we saw the Eagles' defense was fraudulent, and if Brock Purdy was healthy, Kyle Shanahan would have found a way to scheme things up. There's no doubt about it. But let's ah, not act. That's Kyle a, that's Shanahan a huge to me. Maybe. Kyle Shanahan gives me gives gets ninety percent of the credit for me. Jimmy okay. Garoppolo, any other situation he goes to is mid, is average. Kyle Shanahan turned him into a top ten EPA quarterback season after season when he's been healthy. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. Had a winning record in the playoffs despite being horrible in the playoffs. Agreed. I mean, Kyle Shanahan mass quarterbacks that are average at best. They also had great defense. He didn't. He didn't mass CJ Beffert and Nick Mullins and those quarterbacks before they got CMC. Nick Mullins sure. played well. He did. Yeah, I was. He had, he had moments. And Monday games. night. He had good statistics. He did. And CJ Beathard, like later in his tenure with San Fran, played well too. Before this year, he was nine and twenty-eight with. But why? But why? Why didn't he win? Because in twenty nineteen, when Nick Mullins, or no, in twenty twenty, when Nick Mullins started most of the season, the entire defense was injured. That's that's the reason. This is one season, twenty-eight losses. If the defense is healthy and everything is right, you can plug in any quarterback in the league, and the Niners are going to win ten plus games. But doesn't it say something that Purdy came of no experience in this Niners offense, which is more difficult to learn? Their playbook is one of the more diverse. It's not more difficult, and they actually got better offensively at Brock Purdy. There is a correlation between when CMC came and then the numbers spiking at that position. 
Christian McCaffrey now, you have to account for so many other things mm-hmm. that it's going to make the quarterback play better. If Jimmy Garoppolo had, I don't like, I don't like this logic because you kind of brushed the the CMC. You did brush the move you off. Kind of pr- yeah. brush it off. I to brushed the side. it. No, no, I brushed it off in terms of they're not a team that's going to win the Super Bowl because of this move. But Drew was also trying to argue how it would make Jimmy Garoppolo better at the time, and you were kind of just like, no, I he don't did know. Not. He argued, Whoa, yes, he did. that was like my main point. Yeah. No, he argued to me that in those high leverage moments, having CMC to check down to is a plus, and I'm like, okay. listen, it my entire argument in that debate was that ultimately this doesn't mask Jimmy Garoppolo when you need an important must have drive. That's my, we could go back to the debate. That's my entire point because ultimately in the fourth quarter, when Jimmy Garoppolo has to lead a 60 yard or maybe a 30, 40 yard drive to get a field goal, having somebody like that's not going to matter because he's going to have to make high level reads and throws that are, it, it's not just going to be gimmicky the way that Kyle Shanahan always schemes up for him. He's going to have to make big throws, and when he's forced to do that, he sucks. Does Brock Purdy make big throws? Huge ones. He came against the Dolphins, took an absolute shot, got rocked. But maybe Christian Wilkins delivered a beautiful ball over the middle to George. Because I know for a fact when drive. Jimmy G went down and Brock Purdy came in, I'm thinking, all right, the Dolphins are about to cruise to a W, and Brock Purdy lit it the fuck Brock up. Pur- yeah. yeah, I would probably take Purdy, but I can I can admit Brock Purdy. Well, he did, you know. It's awesome. Incredibly he did, impressive. He did. You know, it's awesome. It's impressive. There's no doubt. He's not but just another not, backup. But let's, yes, he is another he backup. Is not. He's so just then Josh backup. Johnson should have just came in and, and just been at least Brock Purdy, right? Well, the, that. The, Kyle Shanahan's Jesus Christ, which obviously that's a strong statement. We understand that Kyle Shanahan's great. Yeah. But if he's so damn good, then why wasn't Josh Johnson another plug and play? Well, the flaw, the logic in that is that Josh Johnson came late December and really wasn't able to learn well, the Purdy came as a rookie with asking, no experience asking with those Josh guys. Johnson to come in. No no of reps. course, and of course. Yeah, Brock Purdy, exaggerated. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. I know, but Brock, Brock Purdy in the training camp, he was going up against a scout team. He was going up against the first team defense every single practice. He was getting better that way. You know, he, he was good in training camp. He was impressive in training camp. He was getting better. He learned the offense. When you run the scout team, you have to know all the ins and outs mm-hmm. about what the, the offense you're running. Yeah. Josh Johnson came in December. He did not have that. You know, so I think that's a difference in, in his play. So you think that Brock Purdy in five years is a starting quarterback in the NFL? I never said that. But he's, he's just think. another backup. No, 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 no. You could say very simply like this. We'll see what happens with Trey Lance, if he's still on the Niners or not. If they decide to trade Trey Lance, what does that mean to me? Brock Purdy's the long-term answer for the San Francisco 49ers. And Shanahan preferred Purdy. He trusted him more. He opened up the playbook because, ironically, he can get outside the pocket and extend plays the way he Garoppolo He called the game the differently because Brock Purdy is athletic and Jimmy's not. Well, that's a pretty big thing to look but open for. Up the, open up the playbook. I mean, listen, that's pretty bro. big. Brock Purdy was still on training wheels in that San Fran offense. Now, so, if but you're, it didn't if matter because they had success. If you're not willing to... Stand by. Brock Purdy can be a starting NFL quarterback in five years. Then what you're telling me is that he's just another backup. He can. What you're I, thank me. you. I, I'm sure I'm with that statement. If Trey Lance is traded, that means to me that Brock Purdy was their answer. They decided to go on with Brock. He will be there for the long term. I, I understand this hypothetical scenario, but I'm just asking for your opinion. I don't care about everything else. Is Brock Purdy a starting quarterback in the NFL in five years? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We'll okay. get a chance without a doubt. He should get a chance for sure. With San Francisco, With San he can Francisco. be. I don't know if he goes to a different team. I agree now, with Dells, that. now, Dells, if Brock Purdy is not a starter in five years, is he just another backup? I mean, isn't It'd that just how it goes? a high-level backup, I think. That's what I'm saying. Isn't that just how it goes, So though? he's just another backup. But he's not. With okay. San Fran, he's not. 
He's not he just is. another backup. Jimmy Garoppolo is just another guy, honestly. How bro. many games did Brock Purdy lose as the quarterback? Oh, none. One? He lost the Raiders. Didn't, you, uh, didn't lose that Raiders game? I think you're right. They beat the Raiders. No. They, sure they, they did lost. beat the Raiders. I thought they lost they, Oh, they lost. did choke it. They choked it. They choked it. No, they did beat the Raiders. In overtime, Robbie Gold hit the, the field goal and won. They did beat the Raiders, but Brock Purdy did not play good in that game. He was undefeated. He was undefeated. Yeah, I, and Brock, if you want to count the Eagles' loss because he started, that's on you. Brock is solid. I just I feel like we've seen this. They had Jimmy Garoppolo. They went to Super Bowl and they drafted Trey Lance. So I think Brock Purdy he could come in and, and do similar things and maybe even more with Jimmy G mm. more than Jimmy G, especially because he's much more mobile than him. Um, but I also think at the end of the day, Shanahan is going to see Brock Purdy does have limitations. I mean, obviously you could get the draft wrong, but he was Mister Irrelevant. Everyone passed on him Respects. a bunch of times. So you know. It's, that doesn't always mean that you're a bad quarterback by any means. Of course, Brady, six-round pick. But I do think that eventually they're going to see a time, especially maybe when, once that rookie contract is up, that if they can improve at quarterback, they'll move on from Brock Purdy. Well, five years, that rookie deal is off. Long he, he's a, what, seventh-round pick? Yeah. He doesn't have no fifth-year year, deal. Yeah, it might know. be a two-, three-year deal. Yeah. I'm just saying. You willing to put some money on that bet? Or you just, this is just word of mouth? He's going to be bet. making $600,000 a year probably. Like, he's making... Four years, three point seven million. So he's now, gonna be paying less than a million dollars. Right. So of course you're gonna keep him. Now while you get how many contract how many years he's under Dells, I'm gonna talk about Athletic Greens and because I'm they're sponsoring because my stomach is this podcast. Athletic Greens is a sponsor of the Pick Aside podcast and they cover all of your nutritional needs daily. And it's so easy to drink it every day. All you do is just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing in the morning, and you're done. It costs less than $3 a day to take this AG1 product, and that's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit that I've been using every day. As soon as I wake up, you can put Athletic Green AG1 in your water, in your smoothie, anything. And to me, I like it just taking it with water. It has this earthy uh, earthy taste to it that mm. I like a lot. Nice. Especially it's, in the morning, you gotta get that water in. Yeah, yeah, I love using Athletic Greens, and it's it's um, used with highly highly quality source ingredients. It's a win win. Now, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com/pickaside. That's athleticgreens.com/pickaside. Go check it out. I don't know if you ever tried Athletic Greens. I haven't. I've heard only good things. Yeah, Drew um, takes it, and unfortunately he's in the bathroom right now, but I know that Drew takes Drew, it daily. Drew loves it. And he loves it. And, John, I'm not sure if you I'm had to, I'm going to have to try it. You have to try point. it. I have some travel packs upstairs. You know, Athletic Greens, they gifted us the powder for one month, and also they gifted us a bunch of travel packs. And, you know, it's so good that sometimes it's nighttime, man, and I mix it with some water, and yeah. I drink it. No, it's you know, big it's, time because I have some digestive uh, issues, especially if I'm in, like, wheat. Or like hmm. pizza, let's say. Are you uh, gluten? I'm not quite, but I've had. It's weird for me. I've had those moments where I thought I was, but it's it's been on off type of thing. Interesting. So I'm not gluten intolerant. I don't think. I hope not, because that that's something that will develop. I feel like having my brother yeah. Nick so oh. runs my family. Oh damn, you might be fucked. We'll see. He got a 19 on 19. So we're so talking about AG1. Yes, best powder in the game. Yes, sir. No, I mean. You guys said it perfectly. Yes, I, I'm a huge believer in AG1 every single morning. That's how I start my day. It just makes me feel a little bit more energized and makes me feel like I'm actually putting some great stuff into my body. And that's how I start my day, right? I mean, I, I want to start it on a high, and that's how I, that's how I started, AG1. Unrelated, but uh, Snapchat has an AI now. Allegedly. If you get Snapchat Plus, you could basically, like, talk to an AI. So I don't know if you noticed in, like, the, the last – 
part of the Daniel Jones conversation. I got a text uh, from my group chat, uh, my fantasy football league. Uh, we do our dynasty, and allegedly we were doing our, our lottery tonight. And I said, you know, I'm recording. You know, let's do it tomorrow because I'll be around. And fuckers were feeling <laughs> super impatient, uh, decided to run it tonight. And I was supposed to have tied best odds to acquire the number one overall pick. Tied, right? But we weren't locked in on what the odds were. But allegedly, I was, it was tied between Vaughn and I. But before we talked about it, Vaughn was supposed to have best odds, and then we tied it. So I wasn't too upset there. Then they ran it today, right? And then somehow I get a text saying, I now have the third pick overall. When I was supposed to have tied for best odds to get the number one overall pick. I wanted to wait for for us to do it. I would have been there. Would have been fine. But then instead, now I have to go to a screenshot to see that I've been bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray, and now I'm fucked out of B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. This is some fuckery I have to sit with. Maybe someone takes... Maybe you take Jackson, JSN. That's the, who I'm going to ultimately take, but I don't fucking need a receiver, man. Maybe what JSN happens to the Steelers too? draft to Ryan Addison? Bro, it, it hit me all at once. That shit happened. My stomach started to hurt. <laughs> I was just like, this fucking sucks. Do you think they were correlated? Probably. I'm sick about it, though. Because I said, let's just do it tomorrow. And then, of course, the wrong person got the number one overall pick. Because when shit happens his way, it is fucking stern. No, well, to be fair, he did put a poll in our group chat saying, is this fair no, I or saw, is it not I saw. I, I'm not going to fucking answer because either which way I say it, it's like, ah, uh, it's Drew. He wants his way. I'm, I'm also the commissioner of this league. That's true. Um, and You have I, the power to rescind it. I, I kind of, I just said in the group chat, I was like, we could run the lottery tonight. And then I was working, so I put my phone away. And they, they went in. They figured out the odds. They're like, we're going to run it tonight. And I'm like... It's really only four people in the lottery it affects, so I was like, I went back. I said, do it tomorrow. I'm recording the podcast. I won't be around. Uh, I'm going to let we'll the, the chat or the I'm not uh, fucking decide. answering. They know how I feel. You want to know something that's going to make you feel a little bit better? Let's hear it. Santos wants your jersey size so they can get something as sick as that. Uh, you know what, too? Get around I mean, applause for Santos. Yes, Santos, that does make me so, feel good. I say this, too, because Santos and I were texting, and... He was real. He's like, I wanted to get you the Jalen Brunson jersey, but we can't do Joel like that. And I was <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm with you. We can't do Joel like that. Yeah, you can. But I've been, but I've been fighting, man. I'm like, I don't want this AD jersey. He's been pissing me off. But then, of course, when oh, he yeah. he plays without LeBron, he's, got a he's back to and he, that would not be crazy. But so, I need to know if we're gonna have him long term. Um, but then AD has been unbelievable these last four games, and I want that Lakers white and and turquoise blue jerseys. I know they're fire. But MPLS? I, yeah, no, no, no. The new Lakers white and 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 blue ones. Ah. It says Lakers across. I don't know if I want the AD or LeBron one, but I'm a large Santos. I'm a large. <laughs> I read that wrong at first. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I think, had 15 points in the first quarter, and he is he's still losing right now by 12. Yes, we need that. We need them to keep losing. The fucking Kings, they smoked the Kings the other day. I was fuming. I'm like, the only time I need the Kings to cook up, they really get smoked by the the Wolves. The Lakers, we've been eating. Someone said, picture of the Nets jersey is crazy. (laughs) I saw, you saw, uh, did you guys speak about Gil talking on? That's the screenshot I just showed. Oh, tough, 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 (laughs) tough, 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 tough. tough. He should be cooked for this. God damn. I can never live that down, can you? I root for my favorite player, James Harden, and all of a sudden it's 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 looked down. It's looked, it's, you know, I wish people knew the backstory to my jersey. It was the beanie, bro. 
The beanie cooked you. I told you my head was cold. Come on, man. my head was <laughs> cold as hell. That's beanie is crazy. It is nasty. Get rocked. I need beanie. You chose Nets one, my friend. I, I had no beanie. I went was to the that Nets game, store. That was with James Harden. I remember, correct? Yeah, fuck yes, he man. was he was playing that game. Yes, network one of really his, like fucking, fifteen games or whatever it was. Yeah, yes, network really panned to me, bro. <laughs> I was just enjoying my fucking drink, chilling. They panned to me. Oh man, yes, never network. easy. They want to do it solid. Yeah, it was a great it was great quality though. I'm I'm glad they did that. I got a, a nice memorable moment. Respect. Nice. Maybe I'll be on TV tomorrow. Now I'll be. I'll go to Madison Square Garden. Where are you guys sitting? Uh, we have good seats. I'm like the. Not like the 300s, not court side, like in between type shit. Oh, was Tatum playing? 200s? Yeah, mm. I guess that makes sense. Uh, Tatum is playing. He's off the injury report, him and Al. Yeah, I got that notification that I took a deep breath. I was Oof. just a little Actually, bit worried. How long is Rob Will out for? Seven to ten days. Okay, mm. not ideal, not horrible, honestly. Yeah, I actually have this friend. His name is uh, at, on Twitter, Triple M. Mm-hmm. That's my guy. He's a Knicks fan, die hard. You know, that's, that's my guy for real. Mm. He's just like me. Last time <laughs> I went to Knicks game, he went there. And we were going to meet up after the game, but I, I didn't have time to. I'm going to go to a Knicks game this this uh, month. Tickets I, are OD right now. It, it is. That's why I'm kind of hesitant to when go. When I went to the Lakers game, they were yeah. dumb chicken. I'm trying to go to the Timberwolves game so I can watch Anthony Edwards. That play. was the, actually in one of my group chats. They were talking about going that game. And, like, the cheapest one in the 200 is, like, 220 or something. Yeah, it's, it's stupid expensive. That's why it, it's so hard to go to Knicks games. You know that JC went to the Nets and Rockets game. I think – no, he went to the Nets and Hornets game. But he told me that the Nets and Rockets game today for the Nets, I think it's like maybe five dollars to get in. <laughs> playing the Rockets, yeah, I know. But pay, no, tonight they they're playing the, the Knicks are playing the Hornets, Honestly. and the tickets were still dumb expensive. Yeah, like uh, JC went to the Hornets yeah. game. I would say it's also the Knicks versus the Nets. Yeah, JC went to the Hornets game. Tickets are so cheap. Like for the for the Nets, where I sat, I was basically like really close to courtside. I, I was in the first row before courtside. Pay two hundred for those tickets. Calm. That is mad calm. You know, I paid 200 for those tickets. I went to my seats. They gave me the notice of being respectful to players and shit. Uh-huh. They, they put that paper on every single seat, and they give you, like, something to to blow into that turns into something that you can, like, uh, just, okay. you know, swing uh-huh. around for the free throws. Yeah. I don't know what it, what it was called. A clapper, bro. Yeah, a clapper, whatever it is. But um, basically, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's tickets are, are very, very cheap and affordable. I, I know New York and Madison Square Garden will never be that. But I wish it was. I want to go to the Wolves game to watch Ant play. But what I was mentioning about my friend Triple M, this guy is close with the Knicks, man. Like, I don't know what it is, but he's able to get access on court. And if I stay after the game, I could get a picture, like, center court that been in, the, in MSG. So once I get that picture, these accusations are done for. I need that picture to Just stand Just because you myself. have a plug doesn't mean shit to I, us, I need, bro. I need that picture in the middle of the Knicks logo and, and at half court. You need your Julius Randle jersey on. You need your Knicks being and, and the cap the caption is gonna be diehard Knicks fan never change. You want to know what a real Knicks fan would stand by RJ Barrett? I feel like Even and he if would he never. hasn't developed. I don't you know who I has? RJ. You know who has? Andrew Velez, Star J Barrett, and you see he's been tweaking. I think he's they're they're playing right now, and I think RJ's having a good ass game. Santos is a real a real that. Knicks fan talks shit about every player that's on the team. That's no. also a valid point. A real uh, and the Knicks fandom is so varied. I mean Julius Randle. If you ask people RJ, that cover the seventeen Knicks, in the first half, nice boy. respect him. Twenty five shot attempts. I literally took him on a player performance double, twenty two tonight, and a Knicks win, fifty dollars. I put a easy cash. But but the thing about the Knicks is that you can when you look at the season Julius Randle played poorly, I mean they they slandered him. 
It, oh, he, well, he Julius Randle went through the ringer. But he, he no, hell. but it was deserved because it was a fall off from his All NBA, and, and it followed definitely the was postseason. This year. Uh, but last year, RJ was good. The only reason RJ is is getting baby with the Knicks fandom is because we want him to pan out. It's also it you was guys also it winning. Was, it was a third overall pick. If, if you it was guys the same draft right as John Moran and Zion. Williams yeah, I mean, last year in the first half he was horrible. In the second half he was good. Is Garland that same draft right too. Garbage point. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, like it's super unfortunate that. And Jordan Poole was in that same draft too. Later, and did De- DeAndre Hunter was yeah he was in that same draft. Hunter Tyler Hero too. There's there's some players in there that class, are good. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good draft. Yeah, class. it was a good draft class. But that that's the thing with RJ. You know, now now this year is where you really see the divide. His defense in RJ. has been great though. You know what has not? It RJ ha- Barrett's defense. I got you. you. As I got recently you. has been. Better. I got you. It's been good. Give me one sec. I just sent it to I just sent it to Rip. What stat is it? Because I watch him play. I think it's defensive rating, bro. Defense range bullshit. No, it's his matchup against great guards. Damn, why did delete it? Because RJ throughout the entire season has shown he can defend, but his effort, his engagement have waned throughout the entire point. There are certain stretches where he doesn't get a box, doesn't get a closeout. I mean, he's not a good defender. He hasn't been. He can be a good defender when he really is locked in. He can be a Jimmy Butler type of player, but his his engagement is not there. The problem with evaluating RJ Barrett correctly is that Six matchups against DeMar DeRozan, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, DeJounte Murray, and Darius Garland. The attempts are there, though. I'm looking at the game, and I'm seeing Why him. don't you look at the attempts? Because the attempts matter. That means that he's he, guarded them on uh, multiple he, possessions. He can defend, but his engagement's not there. I'm just saying, against the elite of the elite, DeRozan, 9 for 25, 30%. Scotty Barnes, the elite? he's not. I know, I know Jason Tatum, respect. DeMar DeRozan, many, respect. Jalen Brown, respect. Right, how many shots? 13. Three for thirteen, Garland three for ten, Jalen Brown Tatum's five for fourteen. The one thing is, the one thing with RJ is that he's really clutch. I'll give him credit for that. Hits a lot of clutch shots. Has the game winners versus the Celtics. He had that one dunk versus the Raptors. But it's just a matter of him being locked. In. I understand. I'm not disagreeing. Well, listen, very I, listen I, I want to just make this clear. In the first couple of seasons of RJ's career, no Knicks fan tried to really voice their opinion on him because Knicks fans are ruthless and they are. There yeah. was. Really, un- there was delusional hope. He's for one of the few coddled he is Knicks, coddled. for sure. There, there was delusional hope around him, so people didn't want to voice their opinion on him for real because, you know, they, they, like they would get slandered. They like lot. him, yeah. But now this year, that's now starting to change. Yep, he's now somebody that we know. If we want to get a primetime player, oh yeah, he's gone. Like he's the first one we're talking about where he's gone. But I will say that Runs. I don't really care about talking about RJ's lack of development because the Knicks are having a great season. Agreed, and. I don't care if he's having if he's like this. What, 19, 20 points. Of course, the efficiency isn't good. Yeah, yeah the efficiency is not good. Like I think trying to point out the one bad thing with the Knicks is just you know why do that? I don't you know, they're, they're, they're having a great season. Agreed. Baltimore Ravens. They put the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, thirty-two million dollars. He's getting, and he can negotiate with other teams freely. But the Ravens can match any offer if he signs or take two first-round picks instead. It's important to note that they can still. Negotiate a signing trade if something were to happen. This is interesting to me because as soon as the news came out that Lamar Jackson was going to get the non-exclusive tag, I said, wow, you know, teams are going to come and and they're going to really offer Lamar Jackson what he wants and he could get picked up fairly quickly. The Falcons not pursuing Lamar Jackson per Diana ESPN. The Falcons official Twitter Saying, that retweeting, was crazy, retweeting bro. they won't pursue Lamar Jackson. The Panthers, minus $3 million in cap space. They announced they're not pursuing Lamar Jackson per league source. 
it really begs the question, why are these teams not wanting to pursue a former MVP quarterback? Now, I have a couple theories. Uh, one of them could be, you know, let's just think of it from a logical standpoint. You don't want to commit $200 million guaranteed to somebody who's been injured in the past two seasons, late in a year where you need their quarterback to be healthy, and they worry about his injury long-term. Number two, I mean, is there a chance that, you know, the, we know that these league offices are really close to one another. Is there a chance that, you know, the, the other teams don't want to offer Lamar a long-term deal because they kind of don't want this player empower, empowerment movement to keep going? I think there is a scenario in there. That's when you lose me. That's when you lose me. I'm serious. How much? What do you mean by that? How, how, how much do how I get lost? Do you stop listening to them all together or do you still kind of... No, that idea or, of the player movement shit, trying to put an end to it because uh, Lamar Jackson represents himself, it's fucking sickening. Like, God forbid someone wants to, to be in charge of their own decisions, their their life. This whole player empowerment, trying to knock that down, is, is really disgusting to because me because ultimately what brings the fans to watch the games? The fucking players. Because the reason why I'm kind of shocked by this is because we just saw the Atlanta Falcons go all in for Deshaun Watson, willing to offer him whatever. Somebody who had some serious legal allegations who was ultimately, I mean, he was found guilty for those. He wasn't found guilty. He wasn't found guilty. They, they, they dropped. Settled. Yeah, correct. They settled. Correct. They settled, correct. which is kind of like the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's not, though. Just... I'm just saying. I know, and I understand what Joe means. I understand. I understand what he means, but we know when somebody settles. The Falcons not pursuing an MVP right. quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Now, are they? Do they not want to give two future first round picks? Because I can understand that standpoint where the Falcons they have a lot of cap space, but if they sign Lamar, a lot of that is gone. They don't have a complete roster. They're going to lose two first round picks. You know, they they have to sign some some guys on their team that are good, like Caleb McGarry, who was one of the better guards in the league this year. The Panthers, I don't think, are quite ready to go all in like that. I agree. It's definitely shocking, but I think this is also a good thing for the Ravens because it was their chance to show Lamar, like, hey, Lamar, okay, go see what other teams want. Go see what other teams are willing to give you. So you can see that what we're giving you is fair, and your best option is with the Ravens. So maybe that's that's an eye-opener for Lamar Jackson and his pursuits of getting a guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson. One thing that I've seen on Twitter was from Brett Coleman and said part of this could also be Lamar Jackson wanting a fully guaranteed contract and the other owners seeing what the Browns did and basically saying, we're not doing this shit. We're not giving quarterbacks fully guaranteed contracts. And you want to think it's not true, um, but like Joel said, these owners are good friends with each other, right? 100%. You know, there's 32 of them to one in a billion type chance you get to own a team and you have to have a ridiculous amount of money and you have all these connections. So they talk all the time. Um, and I know owners, that's the one thing they push back on every single time a new CBA comes up. The players always want more guaranteed money. They're never willing to give it to them. Um, so I think that was a great call out by Brett Coleman saying that this could be what it is because you look around the league. I mean, the Falcons aren't interested, the Panthers, the Dolphins I know have Tua, but that would be an upgrade. The fact that none of these teams are even 
want to have a conversation with Lamar, even sit down, get, you know, Derek Carr and the Jets had lunch together. No one is even interested to do that with Lamar Jackson, a guy who won an MVP, a guy who has shown he could carry you to the playoffs, a guy who's shown he could carry an offense to be the number one offense in football. And now no one's interested in him and no one's interested in signing him. Um, that could be one reason. Another reason is if you are a team interested in Lamar Jackson, you do have to give him probably close to $50 million and give up two first round picks. So, a lot of the time, especially in recent years, when you see draft picks traded, you don't really know what the pick's going to be, right? Russell Wilson, for example, was traded, and you didn't know what the picks were going to be. For the Falcons, this upcoming draft, or uh, the Panthers, you already know one of these picks, are, you're going to give up the eighth overall pick. Am I remembering incorrectly? Was the Russell Wilson trade before the draft? It was before it the was, draft. It was, so they gave up. So, apologize. Right. So, we um, gave our two firsts, we correct. gave our two seconds, but that first was for that upcoming draft. Do you remember what pick it was? It was pick nine. Okay, so comparable then. Never mind. Um, so, part of it can be teams don't want to have to give up multiple first-round picks plus the 40 to $50 million to get Lamar Jackson. And I think you have to be in a pretty unique situation where you feel like you are a quarterback away to winning a championship or pursuing a championship. Sure. But then I look at the teams in the NFC. If you get Lamar Jackson, I mean, you're basically guaranteed a playoff win. For if sure. he goes to Atlanta with Arthur Smith, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, I mean, there is a strong chance at the minimum they're competing with the Saints. You, The defense isn't right there. So you number two rush offense over. in the league also? Yep. I mean, come on. It's a perfect fit. So maybe you don't take him over the Saints because of the defensive issues, but, I mean, that's going to be as talented as an offense expecting Drake London to take a step back and Kyle Pitt, or step, step up forward, facts. and Kyle oh, Pitts to get back. healthy. I mean, you're going to be looking at one of the more explosive passing offenses in the league with Lamar Jackson exactly. there. So especially in the mm-hmm. NFC side of things. It's you the know, best weapons he'll ever have. I don't know. Mark Andrews. Come on. Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, is is that not similar to Kyle Pitts and Drake London? You understand Drake London's upside is higher than Hollywood's. It is. You also understand that Kyle Pitts, his upside, yes, Mark Andrews already solidified his top three tight end in the league, but year one, Kyle Pitts, a thousand. I I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying like, Mark Andrews in Hollywood is similar to sure. Drake London. Yeah, Pitts. and we saw we saw and now we also with similar. Arthur Smith now, not with Greg Roman, but also with Arthur Smith. Yeah. That's going to open up a 100%. lot more possibilities. Drake London's different body type than Marquise. Yeah, way uh, Drake, different body. Drake's Drake's never style. had a quarterback either. I think Akeem Slovis, of course, but that year they four different like, NFL receivers. I mean, I, I like their offense for sure, but I I don't think it's like the best weapons ever he's ever he's ever played with. I, they have to get one more piece. Watch out. There's nothing in here. Oh, okay. They have to get one more piece, and then I can like comfortably sure. say that. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I already feel comfortable with the fact that Kyle Pitts already showed versatility, not only as a great receiving threat, but also a very firm blocker in his own right, and Drake London showing off with Marcus Mariota as his quarterback. Yeah, we were just talking about Mark Andrews being the best tight end in football last year. Though. And I don't disagree. That's what but I'm saying. But then what do you have after that? Okay, so Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, do they not we, cancel we each other out? I know, I know, I know. We do, we do. We fake do when it comes to Lamar's weapons, what he has in yeah. the Ravens. But it's just simple to understand, yes, Mark Andrews, no doubt about it. Do, they, do him and Pitts not cancel out? Yeah, At the minimum. Uh, yeah. yeah. That is Drake, I would still take Andrews. Yeah, That's sure, the thing. Sure, I'm taking sure. Andrews. Drake London and Mark Hollywood. Even if you think London's a little like bit better. I like Hollywood, so you're talking similar? to the right guy, but I understand Drake. Drake's is ceiling is higher. Yeah, I like London more. I don't know if it's like, I think the change in philosophy for sure. Because Drake London doesn't drop balls. London's a dog. I think London's the cha- crazy. The change in philosophy for sure. I, I have nothing to say against that, but in terms of just the sheer weapons, you know. Offensive line in Baltimore. Kyle Algiers, no Mark scrubs. Andrews. You know that. Yeah. Cordell Patterson's no scrubs. That's that's a fact. Good too. But it, the most important key to that to that puzzle is Lamar Jackson because they're already great rushing in their own right. Now you add Lamar Jackson, immediately launches to the number one rush offense in the league. 
immediately. No, no doubt. Well, I'm not signing at that. I'm signing at Deshaun Watson's contract. No, it's crazy. Look, Lamar is an amazing quarterback, but basing any precedent off of what the Cleveland Browns set is something the NFL will never do. Right? The Browns giving Deshaun a five-year, fully guaranteed $230 million contract is beyond ludicrous, and not even a year later they want to restructure it. The Browns, they're their own separate party. The rest of the NFL operates with some sense of understanding. They're desperate, right? Lamar, Deshaun did not want to go there, right? He's thinking about going to Atlanta where he's from. And then the Browns are like, oh, we're not going to get you. We're going to go and give you everything. So for Lamar, I'd be willing to guarantee him upwards to $170 million. But the one thing that we have to acknowledge is the last two years, he's only finished one game in December. And that's led to his team's downfall in the playoffs where they could have beat the Bengals with him and... You know, you can say, okay, well, if Lamar's in the mix, the Ravens have a window to win a championship. They can compete. But the ultimate issue is once you pay him $45 million, you have so much pressure on you in the draft to nail a receiver because if you don't, you'll never be good enough if you're giving uh, Lamar that much money. Lamar's great, top seven quarterback, MVP, a winner, 70% winning percentage because of him being the system. It's not because, you know, Brock Purdy, he's helping to allocate, he's helping win games. No, Lamar is the system. But we have to wonder, have we seen the peak of Lamar Jackson? Because he hasn't been healthy in December, and we've also seen him in an offense that did maximize him. As a thrower of the football, he can still develop, but maybe that doesn't happen. So that's another thing for all of these teams. Like, okay, would I rather take your quarterback in the draft? Take my risk, 70% chance to miss, but I also know I'm going to keep those two first-round picks opposed to spending them. I'm going to save that salary cap opposed to going all-in, where if I'm a team like the Falcons, I'm not ready to go to the playoffs. I'm not ready to get there defensively. So you have to stay true to yourself in your timeline. You can't splurge for Lamar Jackson if you're not going to put him in a position to win a championship. If I'm one of these teams and Lamar Jackson becomes available to me and I don't have a quarterback, it's fucking simple. I'm making the move. I'm getting Lamar Jackson. Yes, he hasn't been healthy these last two seasons. And this year, there was the question of whether or not his injury was the real reason why he didn't play or the real reason he didn't play was because he didn't have any guaranteed money. He did not have that long-term deal. And people were trying to speculate that if he had the contract, that he probably would have suited up. I don't think that that was the case. I think, one, Lamar Jackson's a gamer. I think Lamar Jackson, if he was available to play, he would have put himself in position to play. But quite simply, I've never seen an MVP disrespected the way that Lamar Jackson has. The closest I've seen is Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, the only difference here is that Cam's strength was his was running, but he also was a very good passer. The injury to his shoulder diminished that, and it was evident in his game, and that's the difference why Cam Newton's disrespect is different from Lamar Jackson, where Lamar Jackson's disrespect stems from he has not played in December. He has not been known to be a consistent passer, but if you actually look at the numbers, not this season, but the year prior, he's improved as a passer. This year was the worst that he has been as a passer, but that really didn't matter because they were still tied for first in his division with the Bengals, who ended up going to the AFC Championship game. Lamar Jackson, John put it perfectly, is the system. Lamar Jackson is, if you wanted to say... The best rushing quarterback in the game, that's 100% valid. Yes, Justin Fields has thrown himself in that conversation, but who set the standard as a rushing quarterback? Mm -hmm. It's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, with the limited skill positions that he has next to him, has continued to win games. And you don't want to say that winning is a quarterback stat, but when you're Lamar Jackson and you are as skilled as you are, not just passing, but of course rushing the football, then it starts to apply to you because you manage the game in a lot, in a much more different way than other quarterbacks do. 
for him to have teams not even be interested to entertain bringing him in is baffling to me. It makes no sense. He is one of the most skilled players in this league. And you put him in a team like the Atlanta Falcons, like the Detroit Lions, where they already have the situation in place, but you just need that that next-tier quarterback. And you give him an offensive line that's fantastic, like the Detroit Lions. You give him... You give him Monroe St. Brown. You give him DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift, who we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen with him, of course. You give him a Jameson Williams. See what happens. See what happens. And I know for a fact when Lamar Jackson comes back, he's going to be motivated. I'm not even this huge Lamar Jackson fan, but I've become more and more a fan of his, seeing the disrespect blamely put in his face. And that's what really does not sit right with me. Listen, he's an elite quarterback in... Uh... The only thing I disagree with is the Cam Newton point. I think Cam Newton was inaccurate. He was an inaccurate quarterback. No, I'm with you. I think Lamar Jackson is a far better passer than him. Like you look I at no, I didn't. I don't disagree with that point at all. No, oh, yeah. Like, I say he fell off as a passer after that shoulder injury, where he was already. I don't. Fringe, I don't think he, he fell off bad. though. Like if you look at his first cup, first I think. Let me see. One, two, three, four. He threw five, thirty-five six, seven. passing touchdowns, and I think he had fifty total because he had fifteen rushing his MVP year. In his first seven seasons, he completed fifty-eight percent of his passes. He was never accurate. Yeah, he was never accurate. Even his MVP year, he completed fifty-nine point eight percent of his passes. Lamar Jackson, his MVP year, completed and sixty-six percent. But another thing with that, where I want to use context with Cam, is he never had an X. No. The first year that he had an X, his rookie season with Steve Smith, it's similar to phenomenal. Lamar. Kelvin Benjamin wasn't even healthy the nah, year he that was, he was an MVP. Yeah, he was not good. And he was injured. You're right. But, I mean, they had Greg Olson and Ravens had Mark Andrews. Greg yeah, Olson was the top. The yeah, too. and then they had Angela Williams and, yeah. and Jonathan. Jonathan and he, and uh, he played with Stewart, TMC yeah. also. Yeah. Oh, First time, yeah. I, I just think Lamar Jackson, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know why these teams aren't going after him. You know, more and more, I want Lamar to go to the Lions. I think the Lions are a perfect fit for Lamar no, Jackson. But more and more, I'm thinking, hey, maybe Lamar Jackson's going to the Raiders. They have the fifth most cap space. They said they aren't interested. Also, the they Raiders. They said they are. Either. They aren't. And the Raiders also have a cash flow problem where, that their owner just doesn't really have the money. So when you sign these guaranteed contracts, the owners basically have to put the money in escrow. So you get $150 million guaranteed. That yes. money goes in escrow. It's not like you give $30 million each year. That money has to be put away at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh Mark Davis, is that the owner? Yeah. Al, Al Davis, that. Mark Davis, apparently there's Mark an issue Davis. in terms of uh, cash flow that might limit them to sign a $200 million guaranteed contract. Yeah, because looking at the teams, the commanders have said they're out of it. The Giants have signed Daniel Jones. The Raiders are out of it. The Falcons, Panthers, they've said they're not interested. The Texans, they, they have a high enough pick to draft a quarterback, so they probably are not going to get Lamar Jackson. That just leaves the Lions and the Tennessee Titans, possibly. Maybe the Jets falls through with the with yeah, Rodgers too. If Rodgers, but then you're in the AFC now, mm-hmm. so you know higher price tag, maybe. Yeah. Even though if they just sign it, they just have to give up two first. So I don't know how they could get more. Like that's just like the yeah. rule, you know. I'm just not sure why so many teams are out on Lamar and how those reports came out so quickly. Like not Strange. even not, not even thirty minutes after. Every team happens to be out. The Atlanta Falcons Twitter retweeting that they are not in so on the Lamar Jackson yeah. sweet states. I'm going to see if they still have it up or if they unretweeted it. That they shit is disgusting. They may be in Burgess for the next four years with Desmond Ritter. Wasting your time. Probably he's not going to be the franchise guy. That's wild. I'd rather have Will Levis. I would rather. I feel like you know there's a preliminary <laughs> ceiling. They're, fu- they're crazy for that, dude. That is wild. I'd be careful what you wish for. 
like you said it so well. They were all in on trying to get Deshaun Watson, but they're just blatantly makes no sense. Like I, I it can't. Quarterback who leads and hasn't blown a twenty-four point playoff game. Oh <laughs> I mean, it's against Mahomes. <laughs> Deshaun doesn't touch Mahomes. We know that. Hey, he caught him this year. Didn't Lamar beat Kansas City this year? Oh, no, I'm talking about Deshaun. Uh, was it? This year? Oh, oh, oh. It was last year. With Clyde's fumble. Facts. It was last year. Facts. Yeah, facts. So we'll touch on this briefly. Derrick Henry potential trade destinations. There we go. I mean, what's going on with Derrick Henry? Derrick right Henry now, guy. his odds to it's my king Broncos. His top, the top five teams with odds to get Derrick Henry. The Bills are plus three hundred. Miami. The Dolphins are plus four hundred. The Giants plus five hundred. The Ravens plus six hundred and the Saints plus seven hundred. I'm surprised no Eagles. Last I saw, I saw the Eagles at plus five hundred also. Oh wow, I saw the, the Eagles right here where I have it is plus twelve hundred. Oh shit, oh, that might be chopped. The, then these ones are always weird because there's usually like offshore books that do it. Okay, so I'll say this: I want to speak about the Titans first. Mm-hmm. What happened? Offshore. Right. offshore books. Never heard that term before. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Job, you know, I, I said I want to talk about the Titans, but no, I want to talk about Derrick Henry. <laughs> um, Derrick Henry. Being available to other teams, that's super intriguing to me. If if I'm a team like Buffalo, who has just not had a running back, but I believe in James Cook, I don't think it's essential that Buffalo needs to go out and get Derrick Henry. But if Derrick Henry's available for the right price, you go get him because he's still got at least, in my opinion, two years of being that dominant force that he has been. And you give him an offensive line that actually has some push, and he's not being met behind the line of scrimmage. I, I'm assuming that Derrick Henry's going to continue to be the workhorse, and be the the dominant force that he is. And especially you put him on a team that has a quarterback that you're not just 100% selling out for the run every single time. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is only going to be beneficial for Derrick Henry. So my three teams that I have, I have the Buffalo Bills, which, again, I don't feel it's essential where I believe in James Cook, but, again, it's Derrick Henry. You go and get him if the price is, is right for you, being Buffalo. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles where, yes, they do have the number 10 overall pick, and Bijan Robinson probably could be staring you right in the face. Would you want to solidify your secondary a little bit more by by drafting a corner at 10 and then bringing in Derrick Henry? That's intriguing to me. You add Derrick Henry to that offense. That's essentially the equivalent of bringing Bijan. Of course, the difference is Bijan would be younger, and you'd have him on the rookie deal. And the last team would be Miami, where Miami has missed the one part of their offense that they have missed desperately is the running back. You have Tyreek Hill. You have Jalen Waddle. Where they kill you with speed, what you need is that bruiser, one that could kill some clock, and no one, no one in the National Football League is better at it than Derrick Henry. So these are the three teams. If I had to say which was, would be impacted the most by acquiring Derrick Henry, I, I firmly believe it would be the Philadelphia Eagles. You can't stop that offense if Derrick Henry's on that team. With that offensive line, with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Devonta Smith, and A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, now you add Derrick Henry, it becomes probably the best, most talented offense we've ever seen in this game. And then to talk about the Titans and their downfall, they're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, no doubt about it. Their quarterback situation, mediocre. Of course, you do have Ryan Tannehill, but what is he really doing for you with a team where Traylon Burks and Oconquo are your two best weapons? Traylon, who who was hurt to start the season, got things going, yeah. but then had that unfortunate bad hit in the end zone where he did end up missing the rest of the season. That was that was pretty messed up. But what what are what are the Titans doing here? What is their outlook? 
They're they're not really competing for the division, in my opinion. Their defense is not good. They were the worst pass defense in the league. Their rush defense isn't bad. They do have some talented players on the defense, but that does not matter because their secondary is so atrocious. The offensive line's not good. The pass blocking, the run blocking, it's not good at all. They were too Derrick Henry-centric. And it caught up with them, and they ended up losing the division that they had such a firm lead over. So if if I'm the Titans, it's simple to me. I try my hardest to to get the number one overall pick, so I have a direction. Because right now they don't have one. You want to know what they messed up on? It was John Robinson, the former GM, just shelling out one contract after another, and injuries coming. Bud Dupree is giving them nothing. They inked him to like a long. He's getting released. Yeah, he's and getting he's released. probably gonna get released. You talk about Terrell Luan, who had two ACL tears. Ryan Tannehill, of course, is getting his money. Can't pay A.J. Brown, though. No way. No, no and the one amazing. player who you need and has been the be- one of the best players on your team, you say, nah, get out of here, bro. And then Robert Woods, he was obviously not the same player coming off the torn ACL. That offensive line needs work. It was really a matter of be- – they didn't draft terribly. They had some misses, right? They definitely have had some pretty big ones, um, specifically uh, Caleb Farley. But when you look at the team, they had a lot of good draft picks. It's a matter of kind of like your boy Dave Gelman at the Giants just really question – Really questionable cap decisions that long-term and away at that team and their flexibility. Now for Derrick Henry, $16 million cap hit, $10 million in debt. I don't think the Eagles will be in play here simply because I think they'd rather just draft a running back. Like Running back is the most replaceable position in all of professional sports. The Steelers took Najee in the first round. Travis Etienne won the first round. Javante Williams goes in the second. Three of the most productive backs in that class. Mondre Stevenson, fourth rounder. Elijah Mitchell, day three pick. And then... Khalil Herbert, another day three pick. Because those running backs come in as complimentary feature pieces. They're not starters day one, and they turn out to be more productive. They stay healthy longer. If I'm Philadelphia, for as amazing a player as Derrick Henry is, I'd rather use my resources and significantly less cap space on the running back position. That way I can get a more necessary and a harder-to-find premium position, such as cornerback, defensive tackle, or even another receiver in the slot. I will say that, Jonathan Jones from CBS came out and said the Titans are not shopping Derrick Henry after the report was made. So what's the fucking point of having this conversation? <laughs> no, but I, you know, even if they were shopping him, though, I don't think teams were going to go jumping at the bits to trade for Derrick Henry. You don't I don't think, think so. Think. It is Derrick Henry. I, I don't think so. I don't. It's I really don't. Not chopping at the bits. I I agree with that. You're not giving up a first. You're probably not giving up a second. The Bills have been unwilling to go for any running back. The Dolphins are the only one that I look at, and it's likely. The Giants, I mean, let's be serious. The Ravens, I don't think so. The Saints, I don't think so. I think it would be one of the AFC contenders. I feel like one of those teams may be looking for something to get them over the hump. That was one of the teams I was like, one of the type of teams I was looking for. Joe Mixon, is, I think he's a potential cut right now. Yeah, he is. yeah because Samaji Piran was played better than him so this the year. the Bengals, it would not be crazy Spins. to see Derrick Henry go and suit up for the Bengals also. Well, that's a perfect a replacement. Questions, like, it's also like someone like Belichick would trade for, like not get a receiver and get <laughs> Derrick Henry instead. <laughs> I, d- I just think Derrick that when it comes baseball. to... That'd be awesome. We know Derrick Henry's <laughs> elite. I, I think the start of the Titans' downfall, and that's what I'm really going to touch on most, is they had a season where they exceeded expectations. That's really it. 2019 season... I mean, or was it 2018? It was 2018 or 20. No, you got it. 19. It was, was 2019. They beat Lamar. 2019. Yeah, 2019. Beat Brady round one. Yeah, I mean, you beat Lamar Jackson in MVP. Ryan Tannehill has an amazing half of a season. They beat Brady. They go to the AFC Championship. They're up on the Chiefs and they lose the game. They had a season where they, I mean, they they shocked everybody. Tannehill in 2020 has another amazing season. 
and you got to pay this quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then you pay this quarterback who has a great season but is actually an average quarterback, and now you're stuck. You can't make many moves to improve your roster. I thought that the icing on the cake was they swung for the fences on Julio Jones, and it didn't work. We all, I thought that the A.J. Yeah. Brown, Julio, Derrick Henry uh, alone. core was going to be exceptional. Not it did alone. not work. And ultimately, they try to go all in. It didn't work. And they're stuck with a quarterback that isn't that good. I think that if I'm the, if I'm the Titans, Lamar Jackson is somebody I'm looking at to try to go get. You think so? Mm. Are yeah. they ready to win with him? I think. I think anywhere Lamar goes, he'll win. You just do it. I yeah. just feel like I would rather say fuck it. Put the season to bed. We're not good. Our defense is not good. Our offense, nothing of our offense is good. Simple as that. Let's go and get Caleb Williams. Let's try our hardest to lose every single fucking game and get one of the better prospects. It's hard to do that with Mike Vrabel. It's hard to do that because he is the definition of overachieving. But real, (laughs) I'm sorry, but if if you invest $250 million in two first-round picks, Lamar Jackson, you're doing that to win a Super Bowl, not get the fucking first round of the playoffs. You're right. Let's be very clear. You're right. You're doing that to put him in a position to hold the Lombardi trophy. You also and anything short of that is a disappointment. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It's just that Trevor Lawrence is in your division, and that worries you if you're the Titans. It does. If yeah, you do not have a franchise quarterback or the idea of a franchise quarterback, if you're the Titans, what do you? You're you're worried about one guy, and that's Trevor Lawrence yeah. because you fear well, that he's going to dominate that division for the rest of his career. It could be three if the Colts get Anthony Richardson Fair. and the Texans get Bryce Young. You're not looking at that entire division saying, "Holy cow, we're the only team that doesn't have a quarterback long term." Yeah. That's, That's the bigger issue. issue. Like, you know, you want to think facts, John. Ryan Tannehill came in the league at 24. He's 34 years old. Yeah. Like, I thought he was like 31, 32. Okay, he's been 2012, 2013. Injuries no, kind old. of kind of erased some years, unfortunately, for him. True. He's also on the last year of his contract. And to they could cut him. It's like really, no, it's like 18 and dead mill, 17 in cap saving. So it's not like the huge financial mm-hmm. relief or anything. Um, but for, for the Titans, it, it makes more sense now that they don't want to trade Derrick Henry because it doesn't make much sense that you would keep Tannehill and, and trade, trade Henry, Henry especially because yeah. there was That's rumors around Tannehill being Forget available. And they said they, they're sticking with Tannehill this year. Yeah, so it would be kind of a weird situation that you know Tannehill would fetch you something on the open market if you really want to rebuild and say, we want to see what Malik Willis has. You say that to the public and you just hope he loses as many games as possible like <laughs> Drew mentioned. Um, but I think the, this Titans downfall is part of the topic. Just goes to show you what happens when you pay a good quarterback great money. No, Tannehill, like you mentioned, Joel, that 2019 season, they go to the AFC Championship game. Round one, they beat Brady. You know, fucking that's his last year in Brady, but still the dynasty. It's New England. No one, I don't I don't really remember the around that time who was expected to win. But at home, I imagine Tiny the Patriots not. were definitely favored that at the That was the year that the Patriots' defense was unbelievable. Yes, facts, facts. So yeah, the no, offense no, was, yeah, the offense wasn't that great, but their defense was ridiculously elite. But those, I went back because I really didn't remember that game. He played New England, right? The first game, he was eight for 15, 72 yards, interception, two fumbles. Then he Mentioned played Derrick Baltimore. Henry, 200 De- yards uh, plus. Let's get into it. Okay. Then they played Baltimore. He went seven for 14 for 88 yards. Did have three total touchdowns. Derrick Henry, I don't know how this man was standing because against <laughs> New England, he went 34 rushes for 182 yards, then went for 30 rushes for 195 yards against Baltimore. Just absolutely backpacking them. To two wins, something I don't know if we'll ever see again in this modern version of the NFL. But because of that, even though he got paid, they always thought that this core with Tannehill leading the way would be able to get you to a Super Bowl. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Even no matter how great, (laughs) no matter how great Derrick Henry is, 
it's just very, very, very hard for a running back to be your best player on offense to lead you to a Super Bowl. Tannehill was never able to really get over that hump. Although they were up on Kansas City, it never really felt like that was a game they were going to win, right? So no matter how great uh, A.J. Brown was and Derrick Henry and trading for Julio, no matter what they did, at the end of the day, it was Ryan Tannehill who was getting paid like a great quarterback, although he, he was just always good. So going on to AFC offseason questions. I think this is interesting. AFC East, going to start off with the AFC East. Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. For the Bills, my biggest question mark for them is the offensive line and running game. I think it's clear they need another weapon outside of Stephon yep. Diggs that's an elite option. For the Dolphins, I have defensive backs that just cut Byron Jones. Linebackers, they could use a running game. With Vic Fangio, maybe his concepts bring out the better of this defense because mm. it hasn't been very good the past couple of seasons. Even with Brian Flores, they gave up a lot of yards. The Jets, it's simple. Quarterback, go get Aaron Rodgers. And the Patriots' offensive help for Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones paired with Bill O'Brien again. He's going to have a good season. I think he's going to have a really good season. Definitely got to upgrade that offensive line, though. Trent Brown at left tackle wasn't great, and right tackle was you know, sliding doors. To go alongside the need for uh, number one wide receivers. They have a couple more needs. This Jacoby Myers, the free agent, he's been their best receiver. Uh, the Bills, I agree. I thought defense could use some help as well. As I'm, they honestly, for a team as good as on paper we thought they were, it seems like they have a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. Also, I think you do need another weapon opposite of Stephon Diggs. The Dolphins, I think the biggest question is around Tua. Is he going to be able to stay healthy this upcoming season? Again. Um, they have to make a decision on his fifth year, I believe. I don't know if they've made that decision yet. Um, they I'm haven't. assuming they're going to pick him up. Uh, and then they still have to improve the offensive line and the defense. Patriots, it's getting weapons. Jacoby Myers, they never pay their receivers, and Jacoby Myers I don't think is talented enough to warrant being the outlier that the Patriots pay, so I assume he leaves, and the Jets, it's quarterback. Biggest question for the New England Patriots for the past however many seasons, it seems like forever now, is wide receiver. With Jacoby Myers being a free agent, they need to either draft a wide receiver or go out and get one. You can't continue to put Mac Jones out in the fire and have him throwing to no one. For the Buffalo Bills... It's, again, it's wide receiver. Josh Allen has had to play hero ball, and now he's gotten into the mentality that he needs to be better than he actually does, and now it's kind of we saw him have a his first real hiccup against the Bengals. You need to supply him with, with weapons. It's simple as that. The best way to allow your franchise quarterback to feel comfortable is to provide him with those weapons. Stephon Diggs is obviously one of the best X's in the game, but that simply isn't enough. Joel mentioned it. You need to have at least two, and they only have one in my opinion. With the Miami Dolphins, it's got to be defense. Vic Fangio bringing him in obviously was a great tone setter. I think that they do have some solid personnel there, but I think you do need to address address that secondary, bolster that up with with Xavier Howard getting older, probably the worst that we've seen him in his amazing career. Mm-hmm. For him to be the worst that we've seen him, and then Byron Jones to not be on the team anymore, or projected to not be on the team anymore, you need to address the secondary. And then lastly, the Jets, perfectly said, the quarterback. The defense is elite. I think you guys have some really solid skill position players. You know my opinion on Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. You know my opinion on Elijah Moore. I believe in him, especially if the right quarterback is in place. And if Aaron Rodgers comes to town, things get things get exciting. Don't leave him hanging. I'm up and away. Things get exciting. Garrett Wilson clears Keenan. Hey, Garrett. Garrett. The Bucks are younger. selling all my boom picks. <laughs> Yo, tell me how Mark Williams, bro, had no, has no, re- I think he has one rebound now, had zero rebounds in the first half. Tell me how today I took 
Chris Middleton on the under 18 and a half. He's got 24. I understood <laughs> that Drew Holiday and Giannis weren't playing. What are you doing? Listen, my gut <laughs> told me to take the over. But then I looked at Chris Middleton, bro. He just hasn't been very good. He's averaged 16 points over his last 10 outings. The over-under is at 18 and a half. I took the under. I also took the over on Brook Lopez rebounds. Seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. He has five. Are they winning? They are winning. It's, it's magic. Uh, and then no. I also took and Magic have a good defense. I thought that you so, know kind it might of, limit. Not really. They the then I took Bobby Portis seventeen points or more. He currently has. Oh wait, he's gotten five points in the last minute. So Bobby Portis need one more point from him. He'll do it. Nice. Time. Now Here AFC West. The, the, this is what I have. I think the Chiefs need to tackle. They franchise tagged Orlando Brown, and they just cut Frank Clark on the defensive line. And last year, right tackle was whoever was Andrew Wiley. The left tackle was Orlando Brown, and he wasn't as good as he was in his Baltimore days. So the Chiefs just need to overhaul that tackle. Yeah. They need those two positions, and you need more defensive linemen. Frank Clark now being out is huge because in the playoffs, he turns into an elite pass rusher. Mm-hmm. So they need, to maybe fill, they need to fill these holes in the draft. For the Chargers, it's a speedy wide receiver. Can I ask you a question? Do you think George Karloftis is going to try and be that replacement now? No, I, think, I think George Karloftis is going to be a part of it, but yeah. – I don't think with Chris Jones and Karloff, it's enough. It's enough. I agree. I think that they need, agree. You need curious. to need out, you need to keep allocating resources to Agreed. that position. It's pretty wild to me that Frank Clark is third all time in postseason sacks. That is pretty crazy, no, actually. You you slept on him. What? Eh, that's what he's paid to do. For the Chiefs, I don't remember having Frank Clark conversations. I don't know if I've ever had an opinion on Frank Clark either. <laughs> yeah. Chargers, speedy wide receiver, no doubt. Raiders quarterback. That's obvious. I think that's going to end up being Jimmy Garoppolo. I, that I, feels, I feel the same way. Josh Jacobs got tagged, and the Broncos' offensive line, specifically the right side. And listen, I think that okay. Russell Wilson needs to be good. Wake the fuck up. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's by far and away the biggest question if yeah. you're the Broncos. You know the defense is good. That was the question coming in. You had no worries about the offense. And now the pressure's all on Russell Wilson. The best thing we could have done was bring in Sean Payton because there's going to be no one better available this offseason to fix that. We have a huge cap hit that we're going to have to worry about for, for the next however many seasons. We brought in the guy, the perfect guy to, to try and resolve that issue, and I believe in Russell Wilson. But yes, nevertheless, that is the biggest question of the Denver Broncos. The Chargers, I'm with you. I think you need to bring in that speedy receiver. Herbert showed that, yes, he can still do it with with limited resources, but it's better to provide your franchise quarterback with the stud wide receiver because you, you want him to feel like he can make any throw confidently to his guys. But also, we need to work on that interior defensive line. The fact that their rush defense for two straight seasons has been horrendous, that needs to get fixed. With Khalil Mack being, most likely being cut, I don't know if that's official yet, but it's it's seeming like that's going to be a salary, ish, uh, a salary cap issue now I believe that Khalil Mack might get traded, might get cut as well. But you need to focus on that interior defensive line. No more allowing teams to to just gash you with the run. As for the Chiefs, I guess if I had to say something, it would be offensive line because you always want to protect your franchise, the franchise, Patrick Mahomes, the NFL space. But the fact that, and also I will say this: you do need a receiver. I understand Patrick Mahomes can work with limited. He did it with Juju, McCall Hardman. Uh, MVS, no. Can we do something? I'm sure if I'm Mahomes, I don't want to. I don't want to do this again. Zay Flowers, baby. Sure, DeAndre Hopkins potentially. I'll die if that happens, but apparently that's in the realm of possibility. Get him a real receiver. 
I will love to see DJ Moore in Kansas City. I don't need to I see mean, that. I, I don't yeah, need to see that. Of course you don't. You would hate it. Now, for the Chiefs, Leonard Brown kind of drives me crazy because with an offensive lineman, you can be good for two, one or two years, and then you can regress every year since, but the name value of a tackle gets hard to actually measure how good you are will carry you. I mean, Leonard Brown's gotten worse and worse. He had some good moments last year, but definitely for the Chiefs need to upgrade that. For the Chargers, they'll save $18 million if they do cut Mac. $27 million cap hit. The Cleo Mac trade was basically the Julio Jones trade last year, where name value, oh my God, you put Julio Jones and Andrew Brown together, and then Khalil Mack and Joey Boston. Like, oh my God. Reality is neither of those two teams won a playoff game. Uh, that Charger team needs a lot more things than just explosiveness. They need a better running back. Uh, Respect. What, let me let me speak. Running uh, back's the first go. position you go to, John. Well, let let me speak. You, stop listening to this Pardon? guy. If you let me speak. Part of the reason why they blew that game to the Jaguars because Austin Eckler is not a bell cow runner, which is Nobody fine. Run He's a great point seven yards a carry. I don't respect. I don't. I don't care if you're losing playoff games and you have a 20-plus point lead. The issue is that he's never had a 20-carry game in his entire career. It's not who he is. Damn. So he's probably better. Know that. He's probably better as a complimentary back, a one-two punch. That's okay. Complimentary. That's okay. complimentary. That's 40 is, touchdowns buddy. in two seasons. So you love teams getting knocked 40. down the first round. You love teams getting knocked down the first round. Plus, I love teams that win Super Bowls. And for the Chargers, they want to win a Super Bowl. Maybe the Divas can get a, a damn stop. Maybe the Divas can get a damn well, stop. Well, they got five interceptions. What do you mean? Five turnovers. <laughs> get the fuck out of here with that. They were up by, what, 20? Seven <laughs> points? Yeah, it would help you. You could run the football. So we're supposed oh to do this. God. Running the football is a foundational element to tough football teams, and the Chargers have lacked that. They don't run the football Mike enough. Williams Eckler's is healthy. Who knows? Don't ah, they still lost. I don't oh care. That's God. that's the NFL. What do you want to do? Come on, dude. I mean, they need a better running back to complement Austin Eckler, is what I'm saying. Better than Joshua <laughs> Kelly. I wasn't saying a better running back Josh than Kelly's. Austin Eckler. Bro they need it. a better runner, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Eckler is a great player, but he's kind of limited in what he can do as runner. We can accept that. Drew the Chargers need a better running back. They definitely need. Definitely Drew. need a healthy Rashawn Slater. Like, I'm the only person in the world who understands. You're, you're the Austin Eckler truther at the table. Hey, bro, why, I mean, is, why do I get deemed this shit? Is it not crazy it's that he's true. never had I like Austin Eckler, too. No, it's fucking nuts. He's never I'm had not, over that's fucking nuts. Is that fu- is, if that's true, that's insane. What? That he's never had 20 carries in Career a game? I was 19 in October of 2020. Holy shit. That's because he's not a bell cow, though. He averages 4.7 yards a carry. If he, if he, if he was asked to do it, he could do it. Cordell Patterson averages five yards a carry. Is he, in a, is he a bell cat running back? He's not. Okay. So, so what's the what's the point you're trying to make here, John? Cordell is more is a carry than Eckler. So. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I thought. No, I thought. No, there's no, always no, a tired of hearing this. John, John John said, one thing with the Chargers, too, that J.C. Jackson contract, a $30 million dollar cap not hit. Great, not yeah. great, not that's, great. He only played five games, and he was, Got in it. all due respect, he was not the same player. I'm not going to lie. That, that, ACL, comment, that comment that comment kind of cooked you when he said they got five of steps to get the. Nah, that shit was lit. That was a great comeback. That was a great comeback. You're right. I mean, defense. They what the fuck they could in the first half. I was going to say, second half, it was completely fucking different. I, I think the real problem with the Chargers was that offensively they didn't get anything going on. Oh, yeah. facts. Yeah. And having yeah. Kellen Moore there I think will definitely help. Oh, big time. Um, yeah. For the Chiefs, I think uh, there's a few things. But number one, I think they're going to get a new shiny little toy for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I think they're going to go out there and get someone big. They were in talks that last is- year to get A.J. Brown, which came out this just this offseason. So I think they're going to go out and try to make a splash for Mahomes. For the Chargers, I'm curious how they're going to improve this team with $21 million over the cap. And the two players that saves the most money is Khalil Mack and Keenan Allen. Those I know Khalil Mack might not have the best season, but I still think he's one of their better defenders. Uh, Keenan Allen, obviously, still one of their better receivers. Not their best, depending on how you feel about Mike Williams. For the Raiders, as we mentioned, it's quarterback. Defense needs help. And for the Broncos, it just came out a couple of days ago that Corlin Sutton is potentially on the trade block. 
Um, I like Jerry Judy a lot. I think he has high potential. He could be a top 20 type receiver in the NFL. But I also worry that if you go into next season with just Judy, Patrick off an injury, AJ Hamler, that isn't a great receiver room by any means. And, you know, Russell Wilson was coming off his worst year of his career. I would hope that we could figure out a way to keep Corlin Sutton and keep the Sutton and Judy combination. Are you ready? You know how we fix that? No. We trade a second. And Corlin Sutton. Yeah. And guess who comes to town? Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, here we go. Everyone's getting Hopkins. Joel Embiid has 39 on Gobert right now. That's fu- that's insane. <laughs> AFC North, the questions I have for them. A linebacker to replace Jermaine Pat Pratt. They need they need a final linebacker to replace him. A cornerback to replace Eli Apple because he's going to be gone. And I would love for them to get a new toy for Joe Burrow. What? A, a tight end. And, you know, right, th- this past <laughs> season I had Hayden Hurst, but... What if in the first round they go for, or second round, Darnell Washington? They draft all linemen. Or Dalton Kincaid. I don't think their offense line is an issue anymore. I else going to get cut. Uh, our boy Sands wants Bijan. Bijan? I don't know if he's going to be there. but That would be, be deadly. But with Lyle getting cut, now Lyle's you have a question at right tackle. Really? It's looking like it. Because they don't guarantee like an offensive lineman or any player's contract usually after the first season. Lyle was he didn't play well, but like they needed him. He was solid. He played well. He, 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 second half. Sure. he second took on he tough matchups, and so he get exposed often. <sighs> the Bengals are in a tough spot because you have Joe Burrow. The window's open, but do you trade T. Higgins? I mean, getting a first round pick from him is in the realm of possibility. But at the same time, there's another question: it's what you do with the offensive line. And there's some pretty big questions there at tackle that like you need to upgrade those spots surely. And defensively, I think him Taylor Britt played well enough. Mike Hilton's still a high level player. They're going to be fine defensively, keeping Lou Anaruma, but the biggest question, Joel, it's by far, I think, the tackle spots, making sure Jonah Williams is the same coming off the injuries, and then hopefully getting a better running back. I do think Joe Mixon's overrated. Are, are you going to keep going through yours? The Ravens, they have to pay Lamar Jackson or trade him. I think that's easy. You know, what are they going to do with Lamar? That's the biggest question mark. What do they do with Lamar Jackson? What happens? The Steelers, defensive back, back, you know, I, I think the cornerback room, that's a question mark. But mostly it's Matt Canada. Can can he in, can he improve? Can he fi- finally Probably be a not. good play caller? Probably not. Now that's my question. And Browns is is Deshaun Watson going to be back? Because if he's not, this move could be one of the most disastrous ones in NFL history. I won't be mad if it succeeds, Russell Wilson. I have uh, sorry. I was going to go really quick. I have basically all the same ones: Ravens with Lamar, Steelers. I think you need corner linebacker potentially too. Yes. Um, I also <laughs> think a difference maker on offense. I know I like Deontay Johnson, Pickens, obviously. Um, but it still feels like you could use another dog there, even though you have Frymuth and Najee. Um, Browns, obviously, Deshaun Watson is number one. I do think it gets back to it. So outside of that, I think their front seven can use some help. Don Peoples-Jones was really good this year. Um, I also think they could probably use another weapon, but that contract is a ton. Um, and the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals, the biggest one is they have to be smart with their money, right? They, I know they want to make upgrades all these places, but your window is slowly not closing, but in terms of, Keeping Burrow on a rookie contract, Higgins on a rookie contract, Chase, that all ends very, very soon. Within the next couple of years, you're going to have to pay these guys. So this offseason, I know um, you know people wanted to make a big splash. This might be their last season to be able to do that before they have to start really paying their guys big money. Biggest question for the Ravens gets out the way is Lamar Jackson, that whole situation. He is essential to the Ravens' success, but again, you want to make sure that you get adequate compensation if you're going to move on from Lamar Jackson. Talking about the Steelers, I think their weapons room is fine, in my opinion. I still think that Deontay will be all right. Yes, he did have a disappointing regression season, 
But I think that he'll be okay, especially George Pickens. I believe in his upside. We understand what he can do. He makes some very high-level contested catches. Exciting player. Najee Harris was excellent in the second half of the season. We saw him to be probably the most healthy he was, and he was excellent. Um, Firemuth, of course, one of the better tight ends in the league. Their offensive line vastly improved. Yes, It's Matt Canada. Is he going to draw up a good game plan for Kenny Pickett and company? I severely doubt it. That has to be the biggest question because if he doesn't, he's. I would not be shocked to see him fired midseason. Yeah, Matt Canada's the least creative play caller in the entire NFL. Defensively, they need everything because uh, Ken yep. Herod's older. You have nothing at linebacker. Devin Bush, good riddance. And the secondary, he struggled. Miles Jack had benched Roberts play at the end of the season's blame is better. And then also offensively, like TJ Watt and Najee are both injury prone. They have in the last two years. I think you need a backup outside linebacker, maybe add another uh, offensive lineman at left tackle. You need to upgrade left tackle pretty big time. Uh, and also for the, the Browns, they need to upgrade that front seven because they're going to run all over. That's embarrassing. Their their rush defense is atrocious, absolutely no doubt. Uh, but my question is, you understand Nick Chubb is on the team, and you understand that Nick Chubb last year, for the first half prior to Deshaun Watson playing, was arguably the best back in the game. Yeah. He was unbelievable. And then Deshaun comes, and it kind of ruins the flow of the offense, both passing and rushing, ironically. And the reports are coming out that they want to make this a Deshaun Watson offense. Understandably so. You just put $230 million invested to it. And then Nick Chubb is a potential candidate to be moved. What sense does this make when you just want to surround your quarterback with the most talent possible? And you still, it's not necessary as of right now that you need to pay Nick Chubb. I understand that is a concern, especially with money that significant amount is being allocated to, of course, Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, and Ward also. So you want to be smart with how your money is, is being moved, but now Kareem Hunt is not going to be on your team. There's a strong chance that Kareem Hunt will walk, and now you're trying to get Nick Chubb in a situation where he is no longer on the team. Now you have to draft a running back, which of course is the most replaceable in the game, but Nick Chubb is still one of the premier backs in the game. It'd be a shame to not have him in that offense. So Deshaun needs to be better. That is the biggest question. Will he be better? But I am interested to see how they decide to run that offense, whether they decide to make it more Deshaun Watson oriented, which understandably so, or at least find a way to incorporate both Deshaun and Nick Chubb. And then the Bengals. The biggest question to me has to be that offensive line. It was great all season, and then suddenly it all collapses, and they have three injuries to the offensive line, and then back-to-back, well, let me not say back-to-back performance, because against the Bills, it did a great job of holding up, but against the Chiefs, it was clearly an issue. Where Joe Burrow was sacked, I believe, what, four times in the first half? He simply had no time to do anything. It's a matter of protecting Joe Burrow, protecting the franchise. AFC South. The Jaguars tagged Evan Ingram, which was a great move. It was. Now that Calvin Ridley's back, you have Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones had a good season, and Evan Ingram. I think that's fantastic for them. They need a defensive back opposite of Tyson Campbell because they just cut Shaq Griffin. Yep. So they're going to need that. The Titans, I just, man, are, they have to rebuild for me. Like, are they going to rebuild? It looks like they're not, but it feels like they're stuck in turmoil. Yeah. The Colts, who's the quarterback? Are they going to move up to get a Bryce Young? Are they going to stand pat? Uh, I feel comfortable in their direction given Stane Steichen's track record. I, I think I'm comfortable with whoever they draft. And the Texans, it's just what do you address first? Do you address the quarterback position first? Uh, who do you pair with that quarterback? I think those are all questions I have for them. Hit it. What the hell? Dead air, man. 
Bada boom, here we go. The Titans. Um, listen, man, a lot of questions with this Titans team. We just had a whole segment on them. Um, I don't really know where this team is going. They are keeping Tannehill and Derrick Henry, it seems now, so I guess they'll run it back, see what ends up happening. The Colts and the Texans, um, who's going to trade up to number one? I think it's the same thing for both of these teams. They obviously need a quarterback desperately in the same division, so they're kind of, you know, it takes a lot less for the Texans to go from two to one um, than the Colts from four to one, but you still have to think it's not exactly the same because the Bears know that, right? And the Bears know, listen, it's not going from two to one because we have your boys at number four calling us too. Um, and then the Jaguars, I don't actually don't have a ton of questions about them. I actually, this is like the only team I left it blank for because I feel like most of anything, it's just keeping develop, keep developing the guys they have. Like their core, I feel like is pretty set with Trevor Lawrence, Ridley, Etienne, Christian Kirk. Um, defensively, they, defensively they could keep you know improving. Um, but I think their core is really set. It's young, not paying a lot of guys, so mm-hmm. the future's bright. Yep. I say this. I don't think the Colts nor the Texans should trade up to number one. I think that is understood. The Bears are not selecting a quarterback. Yes, you understand the Texans and the Colts both need a quarterback. But if you're the Colts, the Cardinals are sitting at three. They are not selecting a quarterback. Unless a team comes in and entertains the idea of trading up to three to leapfrog the Colts for a quarterback, which, of course, is possible. If I'm the Colts, I sit at four, I don't trade future assets, and I trust the board. Because unless two teams are now trading in for number one and number three that are not us, then I can sit at four and I can still get either AR or Stroud. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. Apparently now there's conversation that AR could be going number one overall, Mm -hmm. which would be insane. That would be nuts. Then we really see how the combine influences (laughs) drafts. But if you're the Colts, you stay at four, you understand that you trust the board and don't allow your future assets to be tainted because right now you've already given up picks in the past and it's kind of screwed you over. Trust yourself, trust the board. You're at four, you're in a good position to succeed. So if you're the Colts, in my opinion, yes, the biggest question is quarterback. I think they will address that need. So really the question now just becomes their their weapons room. Who's going to play opposite of Michael Pittman? Are, are they going to be consistent enough? Jonathan Taylor's a savage, of course, but another question is the offensive line. They're they're past they're they're one of the best pass pros that there were in the game, but this past season, they're extremely underwhelming. That's another question for me. The defense is not a question item a little bit. Titans. The question is, are they going to be tanking for Caleb Williams? Because this team is not good in my opinion. You need to figure out what you're going to do offensively. You need to figure out what you're going to do as a team. What is the direction of your team? In my opinion, it needs to be restarting and starting with the franchise quarterback. Your, your, your ceiling with Ryan Tannehill has already been shown. The ceiling has been passed. So now let's look to create a new ceiling. In my opinion, that would be trying to attain the best quarterback possible in this upcoming draft. The Jaguars' biggest question mark to me I still think that you can do more to protect Trevor Lawrence. The offensive line definitely did do a good job, but it is a matter of are you going to re-sign these guys? Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor, thank you very much. Are you going to con- – you need to protect the franchise. And, yes, Trevor Lawrence is able to extend outside the pocket, extend plays, but, again, I want to make sure that my guy is protected. With Calvin Ridley now coming back and being reinstated, you really don't have questions about his weapons room because Christian Kirk has already shown that he could be successful as a one. He's shown that he could be successful as a two that he's shown in Arizona. And Calvin Ridley, yes, with a year off, there could be a little bit of rust. So then it allows leeway to to either continue to run through Kirk, but then also they could complement each other. 
Now, I have questions for the NFC teams. Uh, Houston. Houston's the last team, but then, again, their biggest question mark is quarterback. Yeah. And upgrade that entire roster. Cause they have a couple and if of you guys agree with my questions, we can just easily skim through this. Okay. So, in the NFC East, the Cowboys, what are they going to surround Dak Prescott with? Yep. Correct. Are they going to cut Zeke? They just tagged Tony Pollard, so he'll be back. So, you have him and CeeDee Lamb. I think they need somebody else added to the team. Dan Quinn's back, so the defense is going to be elite. It's the offense that worries me, and how do they look without Kellen Moore? Agreed. The Eagles is, who do they bring back? They have a lot of free agents. And resigning Hurts. Yes, but ultimately, their question marks are very minimal. The Giants, their biggest questions were answered. They answered yep. them. You know, they just brought back Daniel Jones, and they just put a non-exclusive tag on, on Saquon I guess Barkley. now it comes to, to wide receiver. Yep. Who's going to play wide receiver? Who's going to be on that defense of yours? Mm-hmm. Commanders, they just tagged Deron Payne. And they do feel like a directionless team. And how much do they believe in Sam Howell? You know, is it bluff that that's their starting guy? <laughs> it, may, it could be. Or is it Tank Chopper Caleb? NFC West, I Probably. look at the 49ers. Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, you know, what direction do they, do they go in? The Rams, are they going into a full rebuild? We saw them cut Bobby Wagner. Jalen Ramsey is somebody that is on the trade block right now. It's a crazy move. But the Cardinals is who's the quarterback while Kyler is out. You know, who is it going to be Trace McSorley? Are they, are they going to get a veteran like Kobe Brissett? Third overall pick, do they trade back mm-hmm. or do they select one of these game-changing defenders like Will Anderson? How will they build up that defense? Because that's the that should be the other priority alongside Kyler. And Seahawks is, is run defense. I think that's the biggest need for them. I think their pass defense is fine. Uh, real quick, just one thing on the Rams. Sean McVay didn't come back for a rebuild. So I know Robinson's on the trade block, Jalen Ramsey's on the trade block, but... Yeah. There'll be some moves, but I expect the Rams to also make moves to bring guys in because, you know, I find it hard to believe that they're just going to trade all their guys going to Bless rebuild. McVay just sort of retired or Bless stepped you. away. I'd Bless say a competitive reset with Matthew Stafford. You get Stafford younger. healthy, O-line, get that back to... Stafford's like 35, though. Yeah, around him, obviously. I don't think Baker's staying. I think Baker's going to sign with Miami. Why? I have a feeling. He's the Miami guy. God, I still have that Free draft. He was in Instagram again. Live, and I think he like caught this in Miami or something like that. The NFC North, I look Everyone at the wants Vikings. Everyone to go to Miami. Brian Flores and the defense. Can Brian Flores fix that defense? I think that this draft is about the Vikings going all in on defense and just building that up. The Packers is the Jordan Love question. You know, how good is this guy going to be? I think you just mean the quarterback question. Yeah, no, Jordan Love. Because <laughs> we know that's their quarterback. Uh, so how good is Jay Love? And the health of be? Elton Jenkins plus uh, David Bakhtiar with yeah. the ACLs. The Lions, their defense. That's no really doubt. it. You know, they have Jared Goff, which everybody seems to be set on the franchise quarterback. That's program. what I'm saying. It's just ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, I know. It's it, what's your you guys are big Jared Goff guys. I like Jared Goff. I think Huge. he did a, a fine job this season. He excelled. Expe- he exceeded expectations. That being said, go get Lamar. If you have the opportunity to <laughs> Lamar, get Lamar Jackson, that's the Lamar You team. go and you do it. That's Lamar too. Come on. I, the I mean, Bears is where's the help for Fields? So that's the question they have to answer. And also, defense. their defensive line, like their defense, has a lot of work to do for Matt Eberflus. They lost hell of The same way it can be score. said for John Gannon and the Cardinals. And with, I li- sorry, with the Vikings too, Lewis Sign and Andrew Booth hardly play last year. Getting those Got two guys hurt. back is going to be pretty yep. big next Facts. year. Yeah. yeah. And NFC South for three of the teams. It's just all quarterbacks. Panthers, Falcons, Bucks. Except Saints. Quarterback. Yeah. Saints, it's salary cap. You know, that's the huge question for me. Alvin Kamara's regression. And Michael too. Thomas. 
Yeah, if Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. At, this, at this point, Drew, Michael Thomas just like I'm the not. next factor. I can't do it. And with Alvin Kamara, he has taken a huge step back. Last two years, 3.7 yards to carry four. I mean, it's he, not the same back. And we see by the this way point, you want to criticize Austin Eckler is the way you should then criticize Alvin Kamara. I didn't criticize both, Austin Eckler. I just you did criticize truth. him. You did criticize him. He doesn't have a good enough number two. So then should Alvin Kamara need a number two? Yeah. Really? Alvin Kamara. And they did have yes. number two with him. Davis that was early in his year. That was early in his career. Oh, Mark, yeah. Ingram, Mark Ingram too. And then they said, "Mark Ingram, you can go." We have Alvin yeah. Kamara. This is a deep running back class. They could take one. Yeah, that's true. Oh no, but now now they need to because you don't know what's going to happen. Now looking at some of these super chats, Caden Bass. Do y'all watch every UFC pay per view or just every once in a while? I watch the big ones. I watch a good amount of them. I, I do watch, watch the, big, the big, ones. big ones. I watch a good amount of them. After that Leon Edwards knockout, I'm getting into it every single time more and more. These yeah, that Leon Edwards better. fight was crazy. That was huge in August. That's up, I was going to say, it's in two weeks. Yeah, March 18th. Yeah. Ray B goes, what's up, fellas? Just want to say who dat. Big Saints fan. Ray B also says, also wanted to ask, what is the Saints ceiling now? I uh, think first round exit. Playoff win. No, they I win think 10, 10 plus wins. 11. In that division, 11 wins. But against who? They could beat the Vikings. Because I'm thinking off the top of my head. Giants want a playoff game. Giants, I mean, <laughs> what do you mean by that? If the Giants win a playoff what game, I mean by that? definitely can win a playoff game. What do you mean? They're not a good team. They had a great coach and a quarterback over a cheat. Keep sleeping, John. Keep fucking sleeping. Caleb Belts, Lamar in the silver and black. It's happening. Uh, yeah. okay, I have terrible news I'll, for you. I'll die. Yeah. It's not happening. Now, Sean Courtney goes, shout out from Phoenix, on vacation, but still got to watch my favorite podcast. Shout Going to my first NBA game to go tomorrow, Suns versus Thunder. Shaver's game to go to. Shout out to Sean, man. Shout out to going to your first NBA game. I think I think Shay's back tomorrow. Katie's going back home? Acknowledge it. Are they in Phoenix? I know. I, I, I thought he said Suns versus uh, Thunder. He is going to Suns versus Thunder. But is it in Phoenix or is it in... I'm guessing it's Phoenix because he said he's on he's on a vacation at, on, at Phoenix. Oh, that, is that what he said? Oh, yeah. No, most definitely in Phoenix. So shout out to the Super Chat. Shout out to everybody for watching this show. This is going to do for episode 261 of the Pixar Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Pixar Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pixar Podcast. Make sure to like the stream and give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to this right now. Next episode, Rookie Report, NBA. Whatever star rating you think is appropriate for us, we would appreciate the five. If you feel like we deserve three or four, be <laughs> honest with us. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Give us a five-star rating. If they made it this far, if they made it this far, they should give us a five-star rating. No, if they listen to our approach. Three hours and three minutes. Come on. It's a five-star rating. It's a five-star. Yeah. So make sure if, if you guys also want to support us more, you guys can join up on Mojo, invest in players, Boom Fantasy, Player Props, and join Athletic Greens. They got a sponsor. They got an offer for you guys right now that is very hard to pass up. I need my re-up on AG1, to be honest with you, bro. Yeah, it's all I'm running out. Team, really. And also, we are going to be going on playback consistently now. So two to three times a week, we're going to be on playback watching NBA games. And, you know, hopefully we see a lot of you guys in there. So if you guys want to go join that, the link is in our description as well. Thank you guys for listening and are watching. And we'll see you next time. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, 
BlueWire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.